Hey, listener, thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast, and you are in for a treat. This is going to be a giant Marvel Cinematic Universe geek fest. We talk the Defenders, we're going to talk Inhumans, and then we're going to review the latest entry into the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Geek Mooner! Plus, we got some fun audio clips to share with you and a hilarious email from a new listener. All in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Saturday, May 6th, 2017. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! Check. Check one. All right. This is really fans out there. Let's give it up. Jock and be nerded. Be funny, disturb it. Jock and be nerded. Spoiler alert. Well, hello, listener. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the one and only Jock and Nerd Podcast. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the nerd. And Anthony's in studio, old school. Anthony, I can't remember the last time you were in the room with me. I don't like being in rooms with you, especially you, with the door closed. You get really weird. I'll tell you what, you smell a lot better than I do. Yeah. What does you, that mean? I don't know. Get your hand off my lap. Ah, that's not my hand. Uh, also joining us, of course, is our puppet friend, Rugboy. What's up, Rugs? What's going on, dudes? How's it going? Whoa. Rugs, you feeling okay? You, you, you sound like you're a little off tonight. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of the gag. We're, <laughs> look, we're down one puppet, but we're plus one ginger. It's the ginger geek himself, Matt Dalhauer. And uh, you do a killer rugs impersonation, Matt. How's it? And I mean, let's be honest, uh, trading off a ginger and a puppet, it's about an even break. It is yeah. really about the same. Now, we just need to get a ginger puppet on the show. And uh, No, no, that's evil. No. Yeah. That's that's like that's like ventriloquist dummy level evil. Oh, that is diabolical. The world that's will true. That ginger puppet would probably be possessed by uh, the devil. And take over. If you're a new listener, thanks for checking us out. This is the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where you get a show every week if you subscribe for free, where we geek out about comic books, superhero-related things, movies, TV shows, uh, when comic books and pop culture collide. Absolutely no jock stuff. No jock stuff. Ever. Occasionally. Nobody seems to press back. No. So we're just going to continue. I think we've found our niche, and it's not the jocks. <laughs> Listen, if you are a jock and you found this show, I apologize for misleading you with our title. Nerd. If you've not lost your virginity yet, you're probably listening to this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I love these listeners, and I think you're... Uh, you're <laughs> I'm uh, patronizing you're, the listener Yeah, again. a little bit. He physically <laughs> loves these listeners. Yeah, you do. I love each and every... I love you, listener. If you live in your mom's basement, you probably listen to this show. Listen, but you will get a jock perspective on and, and you, you, you probably drink out of like a box still Capri the, Sun does yeah, that yeah. count like you're oh, dancing shit. like like Ted style like dancing in front of the, the TV like watching like old school MTV and just like drinking out of a juice box you just described my late teens and early 20s that, that is you <laughs> I might have said this already on the show and now that we are down to one listener yes. who didn't turn us off yet <laughs> thanks for st- hi Kevin <laughs> <laughs> thanks for sticking with us and happy free comic book day everybody uh, I have not gone to the store yet to pick up my free comic books. Dollhauer, uh, what did you do for free comic book day? Uh, I went down to my local place, Bob's Collectibles in Vernon, New Jersey. How's Bob uh, doing? Now that you now that you all know where I live and where I uh-huh. tend to shop for comics, we'll I have him. to leave again. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Bob is doing all right. I was talking to my buddy John, who works down there, uh, and 
they seem to be doing well. They had they had some guys in uh, from the five hundred first out there doing uh, the the whole Star Wars cosplay thing. They had some guys doing like Magic the Gathering. They had a, a bunch of different things going on. I I picked up a couple of the free comics. Nice. I bought a couple uh, blind bags nice. of old Marvel stuff. Yeah, didn't get anything too notable, but I think I, I got like what was it Uncanny X Men number five hundred. Oh, if that's uh, if that's a big thing or not, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you what I did. Yeah, what'd you do? Okay, so last weekend I was in uh, Las Vegas. That's right. The, it, yeah. So this weekend I've like been just going through withdrawal. So I had work till like eleven. Yeah. I had a margarita at work because it was Cinco de Mayo. Put yep. way too much tequila in there. Oh boy. Then debated if I should go to a strip club. Okay. Then decided no, you shouldn't do that. Your wallet is hurting right now. Decided to go to my local. A burrito place, grab yeah. a chorizo burrito, yeah. ate that, went to sleep, woke up at 10.30 for my dental appointment, shat my brains out, and now I'm here. Bro, do you even podcast? And that is the jocks, a day in the life of the jocks. Happy free comic book day. Happy free comic book day. <laughs> Look, this show, listener, here's what we got. We got a lot of Marvel, geek-tastic Marvel news. We are going to review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and this is probably the, the soonest we've been able to review one of these things. In less than 24 hours. In less hours. than 24 hours, which means we had to make a couple of sacrifices, one being the rug boy. He hasn't seen the movie yet. Yeah, we cut off his head and we, we sacrificed yeah, him we to the sacrifice. sovereign. <laughs> we, to, the, to, the, to the lords of the galaxy. To Aisha yeah. and all the celestials. And the second being, uh, you know, free comic book day last year. We had uh, uh, two great shows where we went and hung out at Pastimes. And we kind of had to bypass that today because, uh, like Anthony just said, we both had to work real late. And there just hasn't been any time. And I really want to, I can't wait to get into this movie. So that's what you can get. But before that, we have a couple of pieces of MCU news to discuss. Let's get to it. Hit the button. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. I was waiting for directions because I, uh, you know, if you, you don't, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, if, you're, if I'm not I here, you up. don't know how to operate I things. freeze up. Yeah. I, I am obviously the technical genius Whew. behind all of this. It then, <laughs> then there's just like 20 minutes of crying <laughs> on mic and it's... Uh, and then we have to not. snuggle. He's got to console me. It's a whole I, I'm thing. I'm the man behind the scenes and you're the face of the show. Absolutely. I contribute nothing. No wonder we have no listeners. Listen, let's follow up. Oh, by the way, if you want, listener, if you're still listening, you want to get in touch with the show... All you got to do is visit jockandnerd.com slash contact. All the various means of contacting us and, and interacting and being part of the show, you will find on that page, whether it's a tweet, a Facebook post, or your voice, you can send us a voicemail and we'll play it. I want to follow up with something we mentioned last episode, which is important to the scripted TV and movie works that we love so much. And that was the impending writer strike. Uh, you know, it seemed like it was 50-50. It, uh, we didn't know uh, it was very tenuous. Well, Good news. It appears the writer's strike has been averted for now, which is great for uh, not only uh, us enjoying the content, but for people who work in the industry uh, not being laid off for 100 days, maybe like it was last time. So uh, here's what the agreement came down to. They said uh, in a st full statement from the WGA, which is the Writers Guild Association. And uh, this deals with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television pro uh, Producers. You're in gonna, it, you're going to read this whole fucking. I'm thing? just going to. I'm going to read the, what what they got. They okay. made gains, minimum gains across the board, as well as contribution increases to their health care plan. They also uh, expanded the protections and options and exclusivity. Here's the neat, important thing: we also made unprecedented gains on the issue of short seasons in television, winning a definition which has never before existed in our MBA of 2.4 weeks of work for each episodic feat. 
Any work beyond that span will now require additional payment for hundreds of writer producers. So they won 50% increase in pay TV residuals, 15 million increase in high budget uh, straight to video residuals. And for the first time ever, residuals for comedy variety writers in pay TV. Um, all good stuff. They also got parental leave, which is which is important, obviously. So that's very good. And uh, I just wanted to add to that something John Bellotti sent us. Because Bellotti is, works painting sets for TV shows. He's in the industry. This would have put him out of work, you know? And, and, mm. and all his friends, everyone he works with, you think about there's no script, there's no production. I'm, I'm glad you said that because up to this point, I wasn't paying attention. I was reading what Jay Cutler had to say about the Chicago oh, Bears. Who gives a fuck about smoking Cutler? Why do people even care? Do they get rid of him? Yeah. Move on with your lives, people. Now, you, but you, you, good thing you mentioned Bellotti, or else I just would have tuned this entire segment out. So Bellotti sent a message saying, "Like I knew what happened, writer strike averted. The studios knew they were going to make a deal with the WGA. They knew exactly what they were doing to the writers, and were just waiting for them to speak up at contract time. It's like any other corporation; they try to get away with as much as they can for as long as they can. Next up, the SAG contract in mid June. So good news for everyone working and for us to enjoy stuff and not being." Uh, I was I was a little bit worried. Uh, Dollhauer, were you worried that this would happen at all? Um, actually, I don't know if I was too worried about it in the fact that I think a lot of the studios and everyone kind of learned their lesson back in 07, the last yeah. time that they, there was the strike, because yeah. you saw a lot of things tank because of that. They lost a lot of money. They lost a lot of money, too. The Wolverine Origins was good, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> teaser for next. Yeah, teaser for next what the fuck happened. <laughs> but I know uh, I also, I have a friend who works in the, the local 52 out in New York, yeah. uh, who actually, he's a set builder for a oh, lot cool. of TV shows yeah. and stuff. So. I have a feeling at some point he and John probably have crossed paths probably, somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would have been the same thing with no writers. They're not making anything. He wouldn't have been working. Yeah. And, you know, they a lot of people in the industry, they work job to job. Yeah. It is legitimately if you don't have something set up, you're not making money. Yeah, I would love to hear from Bilotti, uh if you want to send us a message. Like, what did he do during that last hundred days if he was working in the industry? Like last, did, his last hundred his days. last hundred days that are how it affect them. But I mean, I think it just brings up the point. We forget that he went and picked daisies. How many <laughs> tulips? He tiptoed through the tulips. I read a lot of books. We forget, though, how many people I this, looked at this pictures of cats. Affected. Well, he's a cat guy, too. So he's probably like, I should get this cat and this cat. No, we forget about how many people this would actually affect in terms of working and living. So very cool. Okay. Let's talk about another really piece of exciting footage we got out. And this I is, just got to interject. Yeah. I feel so much better coming in here on a Saturday into studio not being hungover. Really? Yeah, That's good. I, I feel like I'm like back. Good. I'm glad we were missing you because like the last couple of times you jump on hungover. Yeah, that's you're it's hurting. Bad. It's, it's hard. Bad. It's hard to focus. It's, like it's hard. It's so hard. I'm just thinking about water <laughs> the entire time. Well, thanks for being a responsible adult. Yeah, Anthony. Thanks, good no adulting problem, on no you. Twenty nine years. I'm still learning. Uh, you guys, Marvel's Defenders on Netflix, we have our first full trailer. Geek Boner. Yes. Wow. Okay, so we got that teaser in the elevator, but now this is an official, legit uh, full trailer. I'm sure you guys have watched it over and over again. Let's get into what you guys think. What do we like? Tell Howard, you are the guest. Why don't you kick it off? 
Well, I know I forget who it was that that commented with it on uh, the community page, yeah. but uh, there was the comment of in this tr- in this teaser we've gotten better action out of Iron Fist than we did in the entire. That season was Ron. That Ron Hans with an accurate comment. Ron Hans. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> no, I thought it was great. Like I was really excited, and I, it's it's funny because for me as as a writer, there are points where like what I'll notice with things is like how do they organically bring these characters together. Yep. And so I'm I'm glad to see that there it doesn't seem like they're they're forcing it with like you know the two of them run into each other on a street or something yeah. and like I'm Daredevil well I'm I'm the Iron Fist or whatever uh, I mean he still calls himself the the immortal Iron Fist but <laughs> to which Luke Cage says that great line the what <laughs> that's all he's got to say I'm excited it looks like it's going to be really fun uh, it looks like it's going to potentially have the biggest most badass hallway fight scene yet you gotta have a hallway fight scene that's a, a contractual thing and to varying degrees of success in these series so far some better than others but this is uh, um, the Daredevil showrunner so I think we're gonna get a, an awesome fight scene oh good scene. good yeah. so that means they're probably gonna bring in the choreographer for that absolutely one too, exactly what they need yes. I, I look forward to seeing them have to take on um Sigourney Weaver. Electra. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Electra. Uh, I have a feeling uh, Electra, the, 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 I'm guessing this is going to bring, you know, light to the whole black sky concept and everything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and I I know we were talking a little bit trying to, to say, like, you know, what do what do we think uh, Sigourney Weaver's character is going to end up being? So I'm, I'm looking forward to speculating on that for a couple months more. Yeah, they said... Uh... But I, I'm still saying Madam Hydra. See, though. but I, they've said that this is an original character. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but they've said these things before. That's true. It could be a misdirect. Anthony, your thoughts? I got to agree with uh, Del Nerdhauer and uh, <laughs> Ronald Hans and everyone else that's uh, said they like this. I quite enjoy this. I do have to point out that even though Iron Fist looks a lot better in that scene in the hallway scene, if you catch him, oh my god, he's, right a, little, before, he's a little goofy looking. Right before he throws that punch off the wall, he's like bouncing back sideways like uh side to side and he he looks goofy as fuck but i don't mean to i don't mean to pick on iron fist right away so it looks good i i the all the interactions look really good um the best part about marvel and it looks like they've nailed this in this show too is just watching the characters interact because they just understand their characters so so well and that that was the best thing about like the avengers films it's the best thing whenever there's cameos from other characters is just seeing them bounce off each other and you've got Four distinct personalities in this that I just can't wait to see. Literally, just talk to one another. Like I, I, I the action looks good. It looks probably better than anything they've done. I mean, the, the earthquake look. Yeah, um, there was one shot yeah, where that, the whole ground is shaking. Yeah, that like I wasn't expecting something like that out of there? a Netflix show. Yeah. So that looks like it looks like they're really uh, ramping it up for this one. Um, but I'm just excited to see them just sit around and on a fucking at a Chinese restaurant, eat Chinese and fucking talk to one another. Yeah. I mean, they're giving us the Avengers of Netflix. You got a nice tight eight episodes, so it shouldn't drag. I like how it seems like they're pairing off the people in the beginning to meet like daredevil meets Jessica Jones. And obviously Danny Rand meets Luke Cage. Uh, they, maybe they're following the uh, different parts of the same case that all kind of lead them together. I did chuckle when Matt Murdock shows up as a lawyer. Cause uh, he's not the very best lawyer uh, you could have. From what they've shown us, he's just not very good. Well, and especially in the fact that in the Jessica Jones season, she was doing work for a high-powered law, like law firm, yeah, throughout the whole season. Why wouldn't and Jerry Hogarth come to her aid? Well, I, I think it's because Hogarth hates her. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's. Right. But I would, I would think if anything, you would want Foggy. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we don't see Foggy in this. We don't see Karen Page, and we don't see. Uh, you don't need to see everybody. Punisher, but they might not even be. I don't they think. Might I don't not, think Punisher is going to be in this. Those three, yeah, maybe. I'm pretty sure they confirmed Punisher. Okay. Won't be. So and and Karen, we saw Karen filming the Punisher. So maybe we don't see them. I, I until have Punisher. one minor nitpick. Yeah. Simone Missick's character, the Misty Knight. Yes. Now, I'm, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end of Luke Cage, she quit the police force. And like was like I'm done with this. I'm done with like working could be a in, flashback in, in the midst of the could be, but this, this trailer quit, starts. Yeah, because she went all like rogue and right. on her this own. This trailer starts. Yeah, with I was gonna her say was being a police officer again. I thought yeah, I thought she was like deciding she was gonna become like a vigilante PI or right. something like that. It could be a flashback. It does start with her grilling. Uh, I don't Jessica think it's a Jones. flashback. But and I love I love the stacks of files they have on Jessica. Like they got a lot of paperwork. Um, I mean, you got there's I mean there's. It's a comedy. You, you mentioned the the Luke Cage Iron Fist interaction. I think that's going to be a huge part. I think actually Luke Cage is going to elevate Iron Fist. I it. hope so. Although Jesus. I don't, I don't have much faith still in Finn Jones, but luckily he's not asked to carry the show. the The interaction that I really enjoyed was uh, Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock. The part where she's like, "You look stupid." <laughs> it's like and it's he, your scarf. Like, it's your scarf. So now we know it's her scarf. He probably just grabbed and put it over his head. I love how they uh, they uh, mimic the shot of uh, Luke getting punched in the head, wherein. Luke Cage, the guy's hand just gets demolished. In this one, he actually does some damage to Luke Cage, showing you uh, how much power is in the glowy fist thing. But yeah, I agree. I think Finn Jones, Danny Rand is going to work much better as a supporting uh, side character in the, in terms of... Just be a brat. And let just Luke Cage, be a brat. Let, let Luke Cage just... School you. School you. Well, yeah, that, yeah. And that's what it's going to be, is that Luke Cage is basically going to have to play babysitter. Right. But I also love the fact that when they have the little voiceover from Stick yeah. describing them as a team, yeah. his description of Danny Rand is just a kid with a glowing a fist. Kid with a glowing fist. Uh, yeah, you see Stick, you see Elektra. Uh, I actually, wait I don't for know this. if you guys noticed. You probably did because you're nerds. Um, but that hallway fight scene, Elektra is just coming, walking slowly from behind while they're all dealing. With oh, she's in the back. Watch it. Oh, yeah, she's coming up in the background, shit. and then during the the big like cuts that they have a lot of the fight scenes there is a point where she is legitimately throwing yeah, matt yeah. murdoch through the glass through the yeah through the glass window oh you see luke cage punch someone through the wall i'd love when they punch people through the wall they should do that all the time they did that a lot in daredevil and it was great uh august 18th of this year you will get to binge all eight episodes of the defenders Geek boner. oh i eight episodes wait. too that's key yeah that's good also uh I'm wondering what the color palette will be for the series. Like I, I, looking at the white hallways, you know, so far we've had every series kind of has their main color tone and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they light this one and how they set dress this one to reflect the purple for Jessica Jones, the red for Daredevil, the gold kind of for Luke Cage and then like the green yellow kind of thing for Iron Fist. But I hope they uh, keep that going. I love I love their color. Did you f- actually end up finishing Iron Fist, Matt? Yes, okay. I did. Wow, that's that's courageous. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I know it's a tough. One. <laughs> uh, most, yeah, I'm just I'm glad I get to watch it. I'm forgetting it. Let's move on to the defenders because now it's just a big, long, boring setup for fucking Iron Fist and Defender. Well, I hope we're gonna find out what the fuck that pit was about in season two. Yeah, I hope so. I read some like maybe spoilers that that pit is what brings these four characters together. That's when they finally all get together. Is there's something going on with that pit? Well, obviously, it's something tied to the hand, right. and I think it's it's specifically tied to whatever these like resurrection rites they're doing for Electra. Mm-hmm. 
was. You know, we saw what what happened to uh, Ward Meacham when they brought him back. He kind of became immortal and couldn't die. So that'll be cool to see if the same thing applies to Electra. Oh, no, Harold, right? Harold Meacham. Was Sorry, yeah, yeah, Harold. I was going to say, one of the things that I, oh, I had a, as a, a nitpick yeah. about, about um, Iron Fist really quick was in that, that second to last or the last episode yeah. was I love that when Ward is trying to help them take down his dad, his dad brains him with a golf club. <laughs> yeah, from behind. Drags him into another room unconscious. Yeah. Assuming at this point while I was watching it, dead. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that seems like a really great, you know, little bit for, for his character. You know, he he dies trying to say, oh, no, he's not dead. He gets up. There's blood running down the back of his head. But apparently he's not even concussed. No, he wasn't hurt at all. That's right. He's and just lucid fine enough thinking. to... To yeah, he's he's very lucid and still has the ability to properly aim and fire a gun. Yeah, I I I remember noticing that. I was like, he just took a golf club to the head. Why are you getting up now, you fucking motherfucker? You fucking motherfucker. You fucking motherfucker. But uh, yeah, though, look, I I also hope maybe Sigourney Weaver's character is something embodied as in human form. Like, would that be too outlandish for the street level? Inhuman. Team? Not inhuman, maybe like an evil devil force or some kind of the beast. There's mentions yeah, of... I was going to say the only thing I could think would be the, the beast, beast of, the, of hand, the hand. But I think they're really building on the idea that that's going to be Electra. Ah, uh, okay. Man, so she's either the CEO of IGH or some shit. It, I kind of find she's it... She's the Thanos of this Netflix series. It's all kind of been leading up to... Electra? Her, no, uh, Sigourney oh, Weaver's okay. character. Uh, no. No? She's not... I mean, the Thanos would be like she'd have to have shown up. Yeah, they would have they would have been sowing in seeds about her. Right. I mean, they could yeah. have been, but that means this is a really tight knit secret. Yeah. Instead of like actually being like, oh, don't worry, Sigourney Weaver's coming. Yeah. I do find it interesting, like me as the casual fan of the Defenders, other than like kind of Daredevil. I always thought the hand was just a Daredevil thing. It's interesting to me that they've incorporated Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist now into like. Oh, they're all fighting the hand. Now. Well, I mean, it's a great organization to have as your Is antagonist. It? Really? What about yeah. the foot? No, the the foot. The, the hand has better <laughs> health benefits, from what I believe. The Foot Clan though battles turtles, but the hand has an awesome four hundred one k package, shredder. dental and uh, vision. It's true. I mean, that would be interesting if you had Shredder versus Madame Gao. Oh yeah, I would watch that fight. Yeah, you know who who they can't hold a candle to is the elbow. Those motherfuckers are brutal. Well, that's a joint. The joint. Yeah. <laughs> where two bones meet man <laughs> that's right it's strong yet flexible okay look let's move on to something uh you know we can be accused of being marvel fanboys occasionally if you listen to the show we love lots of things marvel but right now we're gonna have to be very critical and bag on marvel for this next thing because it's funny it's just a photo it's just a photo <laughs> but boy does it have thousands of words and what we're talking about is a photo of the cast of the inhumans tv show that is coming to abc in september Brought to you by IMAX and Marvel Television Productions. So it's going to be in IMAX, the first two episodes, and then the rest, I think 10 or 8, will be on TV. So, look, these are great characters. If you know anything about the Inhumans, they're fascinating characters. Allegorical, you know, to the level of mutants to society. Uh, very similar. The photo are giving us the main characters. You got Black Bolt, Medusa, Crystal, Maximus, Gorgon, and Karnak. Which one is who? Uh, so from left to right, the guy all the way on the left is Gorgon. Okay. 
The guy, the Asian dude with the shit on his face. That's Karnak. They made him Karnak. Wow. He, yeah. And he. Juntao. Yeah. He looks. Uh, Juntao from Rush Hour. That's. Oh, that's. that's yeah. <laughs> Where's Juntao? He, I mean, the face stuff is like Karnak in the All comics. Right. The dude in the middle, obviously, Black Bolt to his right with the fucking worst wig. We'll get to that in a second. Is no, Serena Swan as Medusa. Then you got Crystal to her right and all the way in the back. Maximus. That's Maximus. Okay. I didn't imagine Maximus being like that. Okay. Right. So there's, I don't even know where to start. Let's start with Maximus. Cause apparently this dude, he's from game of Thrones and he looks exactly like he does in game of Thrones. Like they didn't even bother changing his look or his outfit. right down to the all black outfit. Yeah, because Maximus wears a white suit in the comic books to set him apart. Right. They, this is pretty much they he walked off the set of game of Thrones, came into this picture. Let me start. Okay. With Maximus. Yes. Uh, not as critical, but I will say that he's not what I imagined. Maybe he'll act better than what I what this portrays. But I imagine Maximus as this like squirrely. He's like, like the Loki. Deviant. Yeah, he's very Loki esque yeah. and like and like just a squirrely looking guy. And this guy looks just too pretty. Looks dirty. Have you watched any of Game of Thrones? Nope, uh, Anthony. No. Look, look okay. I love that Imran answers for me. Anthony says no. <laughs> based on based on him in Game of Thrones and the character that he played, his character was like a a very sadistic, okay. spoiled child type of character who like he killed people for the fun of it kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I think he will do well okay. acting the part. I just yeah, the the costuming of it seems very odd to me. I don't know why they decided to make this very like outer space medieval look yeah, for it. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Crystal. Uh, is Crystal the sister of... Uh, yes, sister of Medusa. is the girl on the right and uh, fairly comic accurate costume, but it still looks like just simple cosplay. Uh, the weird thing that's going to happen, so in the if you see, I'll have these... By the way, listener, I'll have po- photos in our show notes, jockandnerd.com slash 165. Crystal has kind of this black band in her hair in the comics, right? So in this photo, you see it, but it's dyed. But when her hair is moving, how shitty is that going to look? Random black things. Like, I, it's just a weird choice. Mm. I, honestly, yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I didn't notice that actually at all until you pointed out. I mean, decent costume. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was the lighting. Yeah, no, that is like a black, that's like a uh, dyed black strip of hair. I mean, she looks like she's just going out to like, Party. Yeah, she looks like she's going out to a rave or something. Yeah. No, I wouldn't go to the rave. No raving? No, that okay. can run your way too old. Vegas? Yeah, I'm old. I don't know. It's. I think it's more just a club going yeah. look. Rave would be different. Rave would be Clubbing. much brighter colors. That's just the Molly Anthony. Nobody's wearing those bright colors, actually. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, let's so Gorgon, whatever. He's got like a big shawl on. Karnak's got the shit on his face. Uh, let's talk about Black Bolt. We're saving Medusa for last. Black Bolt, while his the markings on his jacket are are pretty cool because they do mimic his costume. And in the comics, he kind of has wings. I kind of wish they use his helmet. I don't know why they didn't put the helmet on him. I don't think they're going to put the helmet on him. He needs the helmet. Yeah. It, Marvel's had this weird thing. And sometimes, like for a while, that they just, whenever they do photos from set, or like these like promotional images, they take the helmet off because they want you to see who's acting in the role. Anson Mount. But but who the fuck who the is fuck this guy? Who the fuck cares about <laughs> Anson Mount? I want to see a and fucking Black Bolt is, helmet. I did not recognize him at all because I, I remember him from Hell on Wheels. Okay. In Hell on Wheels, he had hair down to his shoulders and a full beard. Oh, wow. Okay. So he, like, the moment I saw this picture, I was like, wait, who the hell is that? 
They're like, oh, it's the guy from Hell on Wheels. I went, oh, that's why I don't recognize him. <laughs> so uh, it's the the showrunner Scott Buck, who uh, has done who <laughs> he's an Iron Fist showrunner. Okay. So things are starting to connect a little bit. Maybe he talked a little bit about how Black Bolt is going to communicate because if you don't know, listener, Black Bolt's weapon is his voice. He can whisper and pretty much destroy a city or a building. Like all he has to do is utter one word and all hell breaks loose. Now, how do you how do you do a part? <laughs> how do you write a guy on TV where the guy can't talk? Uh, he says, I think everyone's going to be very pleased and excited by Anson Mountain as Black Bolt. We're not doing voiceover. If you read the comics, you see Black Bolt does find a way to communicate to people, but he's also a very enigmatic character as well as he keeps a lot inside. That's part of what's so fascinating about him is that a lot of the times we don't know what he's thinking. I also saw somewhere they may use like sign language kind of movements maybe for him to talk. I don't, I don't want sign language. Yeah, that's going to be. So I'm really curious to see how they deal with his powers and whether they create like a sound room or some pl- space where in Adelaide where he can talk. My first like thought with, with his costume, besides that he's not wearing the mask, is it looks okay, but it also looks like something out of the 2000 X-Men. Like, he oh, looks dude, like fucking yeah. Wolverine. Wearing All leather. of it looks very cosplay slash TV. Well, TV, but just cosplay. Very cosplay. Which brings but us, yeah. It looks very network. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which I'm surprised because they putting all this money into the IMAX cameras and give us shitty costumes. Before we get to Medusa, this yes. was one of my worries with this show. Yes. Is that I don't think the platform is ABC for this. You think they're out of their budget in, t- in, I think, in sense. I think, I think this this should have been on like a movie or something. This was supposed to be a it movie. It was supposed to be a movie. Announced way back in like 2009. I understand though that like the Inhumans isn't exactly the biggest name either. So I think they're they tr- in a weird spot. And I think they tried to do it, use Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to make them a little bit more popular. And I think more people do know what it, the word in humans now, but still uh, it's not a, a huge uh, property. And I think we're seeing already my fears. come. Yeah. I kind of wish they were still just it's, doing the not movie this episode, this picture, which brings us to Medusa. Holy shit. The internet's gone nuts. And I, I, you have to agree with largely everything they said. So in the comics, Medusa, and she's this voluptuous, very like tall, you know, uh, Amazon size woman, buxom with a huge body, full body red hair that's uh, alive that she can control. And then this is her main weapon as she grabs people. It's quite silly. It's silly, but, you know, a lot like Mr. Fantastic's stretching powers drawn the right way. It works in comic books. It is silly, though. Mr. Fantastic still that is never, also silly. never worked for me. But it's right, silly, right. First of all, the wig is the worst fucking wig I've ever seen. The shittiest party wig, city wig. Like, couldn't they have found a full red, full haired? I don't even think the wig is the worst part. No? I think the costume just looks like straight out of Party USA. Party yeah. City or Party whatever. City. Yeah. Like whatever that fucking local chain costume. Also, is. not to be like a male chauvinist or anything, her boobs look weird. What is the deal? Like it's just, it looks very strange. I don't know if it's the photo, if they Photoshop this, it's the dress. No, it's definitely the costume. Delhauer, yeah. what are your thoughts on Medusa? <laughs> so looking at it, I agree. Like the, the costume looks like it was straight out of, like what is the, what is the deal with the leather like shoulder collar. Yeah, it's like, it looks yeah. the pleather, yeah, yeah. The weird pleather thing going on. And this is another thing that I agree with Anthony looks like it would have been like in in the first X-Men movie. Yeah. Um the wig just it it's the the coloring of it isn't even 
the, the color it fits to the comic kind of, but it it really does. It just it's obviously not her, hair. and it's too orange. It should be more red uh, red value than the orange value. But um, I mean, ultimately, and yeah, it's it's the the way the costume lays doesn't seem to do anything for it's her. Not very flattering. Pat, yeah. And it's I think it's specifically because of the weird shoulder pad things. Like it it looks so eighties. It makes her body shape look so odd. Yeah. Yeah. That it's just like nothing about it looks right. I mean, they got the purple of the dress kind of like that's the purple she wears all the time. But wow. Wow, that is an odd. I mean, this looks like it's on the sci-fi network. Not, you yeah. know, even below network television. It looks sci-fi. Holy Which is upsetting crap. because I, I've started watching the show The Expanse that they have on sci-fi. Yeah. Like, and that looks that's not that's bad. like HBO. Yeah, quality. yeah. The Expanse so is So like good. even sci-fi does fucking better than this at this point. Yeah. My first, my thought on the community page where i wrote like it looks very networky i think i was gonna write that and i was like wait that's it's gonna be on a network it so is I was a, like, it's supposed it to should look, look that way but i was like but this isn't what i expected like i thought that budgets were better i didn't think that it would come off as tv especially with the fact that they're putting the first two episodes on imax that's theater. that's the thing they're i I'd assume that yeah. they were like going like really hard at this they're pimping this with uh, we got imax cameras there'll be a theatrical release but, uh, you know, probably a lot of the money will hopefully be put in those first two episodes. And then do you think do you think they blew their load on the IMAX cameras possibly. and that's why everything else looks like garbage? They'll fix it in post. Well, I read that a lot of this show is just them in Hawaii, like that. They, uh, uh, they get like yeah. something happens and they get stranded in Hawaii. So maybe they're just oh, shit, wasting their budget on exotic locales. It's going to be like lost with the Inhumans. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. <laughs> Well, I knew that they couldn't. They couldn't fucking do this on Adelan. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. There was no way that they were going to do the, this whole show on Adelan. So obviously, Scott Buck said of animating Medusa's hair, it's very difficult. Even now, it's still a process. It takes quite a long time and post to make that effect work. We have some of the best visual effects people working on our show. We still haven't seen the final version of it. It's very much a work in progress. I don't process. see. I don't see how this doesn't come off as cheesy with her hair Whoa. on network TV. It's going to take a very delicate, uh, delicate hand to make it look. Not cheesy. The other thing I'm looking forward Fanta- to, Mister Fantastic looks stupid on big screen. Yeah, doing his yeah. thing. <laughs> the other thing they haven't shown us that I'm looking forward to is uh, Lockjaw, the tr- giant uh, transporting bulldog. Uh, so he's probably going to be a lot of fun. And well, uh, it depends how they handle it. Like yeah. if they handle him like King Shark on Flash, and it's kind of like a wink, wink. <laughs> oh, like shit. he looks so ridiculous. Yeah. Look how fucking ridiculous this is. Then it might work, but. I don't know how they plan on handling. Everyone looks so fucking serious in this photo. I know. Well, we saw uh, this, like they have a giant blue dog standing in. So he will be huge. Yeah. If uh, if that size is what they're going with, but I don't. I just don't we'll see, see like a big animated dog. Like unless they're like it's tongue in cheek. Like I don't. How's that going to work on ABC? I don't know. <laughs> I I just want this to do well long enough that they can make a Miss Marvel show. Yeah. Mm. So that Lockjaw can then run around with her yeah, and have fun th- again. Yeah, because they pals. She, like, walks the dog, and he will just disappear every so often. And people are like, where's your dog? And she's like, that's cool. He does that. He'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, look, hey, the thing is, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., if it doesn't get picked up, which is still, like, really pretty much on the bubble, then this is their next show. They're starting this next season with on well, they're, ABC. they're doing this regardless. Yeah. Now, uh, so, the, it, you know, in response to this could draw in a lot of people with the cancellation of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., people who miss S.H.I.E.L.D. and want to see more Marvel and ABC. But let's see, September, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out, and I'm sure we'll get – they put out a teaser. It just has dialogue and the logo. There's no footage. So mm. uh, we don't have any good looks yet. 
But God, I hope they fix this thing. Put him in a fucking helmet, Black Black Bolt. Uh, okay, so look, that's it for the news. We're very excited to get to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review. We're going to take a quick break, play some promos, and we'll be right back and geek out about Guardians. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi there. This is Brett Stewart from Geek Cinema Society. Are you a film lover? Do you consider yourself a connoisseur of the silver screen? Well, Geek Cinema Society is a weekly roundtable program where each episode we touch on a film considered pivotal to geek culture. From Blade Runner to The Goonies to Mad Max, we dig into it all. Plus, our guest each week hasn't seen that week's film until the episode. Join me and my co-hosts, Nicole Davis and David Luzader, on a spectacularly fun journey that hits your podcast feed every Sunday. Available on Blazing Caribou Studios. Hey, my name is Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either. And together we do a podcast about animals called Varmints. Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal. But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture. And we talk about whether or not the animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think that animal is on a scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries. Except not at all like that really in any way. We're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, and we're at BlazingCaribouStudios.com. Hey there, everyone. My name's Carlos. And I'm Joe. Are you wondering what Captain America has to say about fascism, what the Iron Giant has to do with communism, or whether or not George Bush is the real Batman? Well, you are now. Have all your newfound questions answered on Thundersmash, as Carlos and I, and a parade of guests... Dive into the nitty-gritty of your favorite nerdy stories to find out what they have to say about life's big philosophies and ideas. You can hear it all on www.thundersmash.com. See you there. Doc, 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 and nerd. All right, before we get to our review, I got to mention to the listener, if you've been enjoying the show, if you want to help out, if you want to give back, if we have moved you to increase your generosity for a donation, join our fan club. Uh, just visit jockanerd.com slash Patreon, and it's a place where you can pledge to the show for a low monthly donation, and you get bonus content every week, every month. There's like seven to eight hours of uh, Anthony's sex stories. You're gonna yeah, learn. I'm going to add to that. Oh, yeah. you And you definitely will. Oh, there's a part two? Oh, no. Yeah. You're going to want to sign up to get this show's post show. Dal Howard, just wait. We have stories from Vegas. I mean, I was in Vegas. Coming up. Yeah. Which is, oh, yeah. which is okay. great. So. Uh, Matt, you recently signed up for the, the, the Patreon post show. Give us a, give us a testimonial to the listeners. Uh, help us sell this shit. Just stroke <laughs> our fucking cocks for a second. Just do it. Just, just come just on to our show and just tell us how great we yeah, are. Yeah, just a little bit. No, look, seriously, are you enjoying the bonus content? Oh, no, I am. I That's am, absolutely. Fun. Like, I've been, I've been listening to, to a lot of, like, the bonus content stuff, uh, while I'm at work and stuff like that. So just, you know. And it's it's like it's it is just kind of hanging out sort of a thing. So it's like, you know, Anthony immediately disappears after every show. Yep. And then it's 20 minutes of Imran and Rugboy <laughs> talking about how they don't like the president <laughs> and comic books aren't what they used to be. Pretty much. I, I so got to provide context to that. So every time I'm recording the show, I'm at my parents house. Yeah. And like it's like 10 on like 10 or 11 o'clock on a like Wednesday or Thursday night. And I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm not going to sit around and talk to these old 40 year old dudes about <laughs> politics. Like, I got to go home. 
Yeah, so look, we got you here in studio. <laughs> or it's like a Friday night, which yeah. is even worse, and yeah. they want to like sit around and talk. And I'm like, God damn it, I, I want to go out. I do feel bad, because Ruggs and I would just chat for hours, and uh, Anthony, I'm like, we're cramping his style there. But, okay, uh, you you are not, uh, it's worth the price of admission, Del Howard? The, <laughs> the price of admission. The Patreon? It's, what? it's a dollar. Right? Like, come on. Yeah, it's worth a dollar a month, and it helps us. And that's 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 why I felt so bad for so long, is I'm like, I come on this show, like, I do everything I can to try and help out, but like, I'm not going to pay a dollar, I'm a douchebag. Look, it really helps, we're covering the hosting fees for the media files, and we just want to... Uh, Grow it, and we want to give you this bonus content. Jockanerd.com slash Patreon. If, if you don't have a dollar a month, there's bigger problems. What are you doing with your life? There's bigger problems for you. you got to reevaluate things. I mean, you literally. How are you How are you listening to podcasts if you're that poor? Exactly. Right? How are you paying your phone bill? Look, reach yeah, into your pocket. That is a very good point. Like, right? if, you, if you are listening to a podcast, you, you either have like an iPhone or you got a computer. So Listen, you, you can afford things. And podcast listeners statistically are very educated and uh, they make good money. Technological savvy. And they're yeah. technologically savvy. Yeah. So show us some love if you enjoy the show, jockanair.com slash Patreon. Let's get to our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Voluptuous Volume 2. Voluptuous Volume 2. Of course, we go full spoilers here on the Jock and Nerd podcast. So let's get a little hit from Rug Boy. Let's spoil some shit, Batman. <laughs> See, Ruggs, Ruggs is always here, even when he's not here. Geerific. Uh Let's start out like so. I like we said at the beginning of the show. I'm, I'm. This is the soonest we've been able to review a movie from its release date. But this movie has been out in the UK overseas. It's made a bunch of money already, despite just opening in stateside like yesterday officially. Uh, so the domestic total already. This is the early numbers as of May fifth. Fifty six million dollars. This had a. $200 million production budget. It has made $167 million in the foreign box office. So worldwide, the movie's already made $223 plus million in technically one day of domestic release. So it's made its money back. And now everything will be profit for it. So that's good. It's so good. now they could just shut down and just, take it out of theater. Just turn it, turn it all off. <laughs> But man, it made a hundred million already uh, last week. It was pretty impressive. So, and I think it's open to China. It's, it's opened. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it was open over in UK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. a week already. It was the on Thursday. I think I read it was the biggest box op- office opening this year, beating out like uh, Fast or the Fast movie and the uh, Beauty and the Beast. So, oh wow! Yeah. Fast and Furious made what like a billion now? Over a billion? I don't know. Worldwide? Yeah, I worldwide. Think so. I'm just saying that. Yeah, take that, Vin Diesel. You got beat by Vin Diesel. <laughs> you got beat by tiny baby Vin Diesel. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes, 81%. It went down. It was at like 86, yeah. eh, which is interesting. Still high. Still very good. Still keeps the the the, the fresh rating for MCU movies consistently it's still up. Still another uh, yeah. fresh rating for a Marvel film. Another. And of course, uh, we'll just go over uh, the cast real quick. Our main players. This one. Again, uh, directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn. I think he did. He co-write the first one. I, I think he wrote more. He was more on this one. I think he co-wrote the first one. I think what it was was he he kind of did most of the first one, and I think they just brought somebody in to like polish ah. up things. So of course you got returning Chris Pratt, Peter Quill, Zoe Saldana as Gamora, Dave Bautista as Drax, Vin Diesel the voice of Baby Groot, Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket, Michael Rooker as Yondu, Karen Gillian, Nebula. Palm Clementife, uh, new to the cast as Mantis, uh, Kurt Russell as Ego, Elizabeth Debicki as Aisha, 
and Sean Gunn getting a lot more screen time than just being Rockets filling James Gunn's. I know. I want to save that some of the cameos uh, as Sylvester Stallone uh, as Stakhar Ogard and uh, a couple other people we will get to. Let's start like we usually start these things. What do we like? Well, just do initial. Oh, opening thoughts. I forgot how we even started. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, you just edit the show. You don't know shit. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Uh, Anthony, why don't you go first? Opening thought, similar to what I put on the Patreon, cheap plug for Patreon. See, you get our initial reactions to movies uh, if you sign up to the Patreon. Initial thought, I was like three quarters of the way through this film, and I'm like laughing the entire time. I'm like, what? Is this just a fucking sitcom? Like, is there any point to anything that's going on other than a joke? And then like once the, spoiler alert, once the uh, reveal of Kurt Russell being evil, which wasn't all that like surprising, but because you knew there had to be some other villain in this. Uh, once that happens and then the, the film turns around and kicks into high gear, I was just loving every, every moment of this. A lot of heart, a lot of, uh, like a lot of family themes in this. Freaking Michael Rooker's character. I read an article on uh, Birth Movies Death, and yeah. I completely agree. I think he's the fucking MVP of this film. Yeah, Surpri- His, it was a surprise. Going, going from the first film where I was like, that character is just a joke, to like the end being like the dad and, and Mary Poppins uh, <laughs> fucking great. So great the, the entire, by the end of the film, I was literally just like, this is awesome. They nailed it again. I don't know if it's as good as the first guardians, but I was like, I'm thoroughly satisfied with everything. I'm Mary Poppins. Y'all I'm Mary Poppins. Tell <laughs> our opening thoughts. Yeah. I, I completely agree with everything that Anthony said. I went into this movie. I remember I was saying to myself, like as I was driving there, because I was I was so afraid, like thirty minutes before the movie started, that I was gonna be like, it's gonna be disappointing. Oh no! Like it's it's you know I love the first movie so much because it was like such a surprise hit that this one's gonna not live up to it and I'm gonna be disappointed. So I remember I was just sitting there saying to myself like it's not gonna be the first one. You're not gonna have the same experience. It's not gonna be you know you know it's it's going to be a sequel. But in all honesty, like it still surprised the hell out of me because. Every like every movie that you have a second movie in a franchise yeah, to yeah. immediately gets compared to like uh, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and I think that they didn't go full like Empire on it in trying to make things like a whole lot darker and a whole lot of anything like that. But they did a great job of really developing character. You act you actually feel feelings yeah. with this. One. Oh yeah, and I thought it was great. There are there were one or two things I would definitely. I'll bring up when we get to our nitpicky yeah, segment. Yeah. But over overall, I thought it was a it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, for me, man, like when uh, these Marvel movies, when they when they are good, when they succeed, like you are left with like a Marvel high, like you're just smiling and buzzing. And I tell you, I was high as a kite oh, shit. at the end of this movie, and most of that was because of the movie. Uh, some of it maybe wasn't, but I was smiling, like I was laughing, and uh, uh, the the audience. I saw it with was, was really good. And so like that helped the experience. Um, no, but great return to these characters. I love hanging out with these guys. I could watch these space adventures of this motley crew of, uh, people, uh, you know, over and over again. Uh, he did give us a lot of the greatest hits from the first movie, but then yes, he took it. He pushed it further and it works as like a part one and two together. It works so well to compliment the first movie. Uh, yeah, it just enriches the first movie. It enriches the first movie. It picks up on things that they set up in the first movie. It's a great second chapter. You get a little bit of closure on things. So great structure by James Gunn. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, ultimately, initially, I was like, I can't, I got nothing bad to say about this. But then, the more I thought about it, I do have a couple of critical points. But really, the the pros way outweigh the cons on this one. So let's start with the pros. Let's. Uh, what it's, you- it's a good thing that Rugboy's not here because yeah. we usually start with the pros, and yeah. then he immediately He's, works in cons. Yeah, no, he'll say one good thing and then just like turn around and yeah. and, and bite it. And- so he he has trouble <laughs> like segmenting his thoughts. So let's try. But let's I see get if we that. Can do I get that. that sometimes. Let's let's try that. Delhauer, give me one thing you liked. What worked? Uh, one thing I liked. Damn. One. Uh, starting oh. off and trying to I'll build just, it into one just thing. Pick one. Yeah. The soundtrack was still amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the music. I loved uh, how he the opening sequence with Mr. Blue Sky uh, is so good. Well, all the songs are picked like very carefully. Too. Yeah, like, yeah. Every song, like if you listen yeah. to the lyrics, they're part of the script. Part of it, it's almost yeah. you know. And when to the to the point where they mention it, like yeah. Kurt Russell yeah. outright says, like, "Oh yeah, that song, that whole story is." You. I mean, they deconstructed the lyrics to Brandy. You're a fine girl, which is so hilarious. But you're like. Oh yeah, it really is about a space guy coming to Earth and uh, having a baby. You're, you're the guy, uh, and that song is going to be stuck in everyone's heads after watching this movie. When Cat Stevens' father and son hits, like I love Cat Stevens, I've always, and that's one of his greatest songs. Like that got me in the feels for real because it was just perfect timing, perfect thematic choice of song uh, for that point in the movie. I feel like we're going to be on this segment for a while, which is good. Yeah. We're gonna. There's more than like one thing to talk about. Oh, there's plenty. That's the thing. There's plenty of great things to talk about. I love him getting the zoom at the end, carrying on because his his Walkman, his Sony Walkman gets smashed, gets squished. I was really sad. Uh, the 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 audience at at the the movie when I was at it last night, like to to hear like the gasps and stuff <laughs> like that, and I hear like he crushes like uh Kurt Russell crushes the yes, Walkman in his hand, yes. and I hear. One girl behind me go, oh no, he did. <laughs> I was like, I was like, people actually say that still. <laughs> well, it's, what it's, year is it, this? But this is like a, a not. A little, I mean, it's kudos to James Gunn. Yes. It's also kudos to just Marvel's character work. Yeah, that like they've made it so that the fucking walk. It's a character in, in Guardians is a fucking character. Along with, and the, you're like literally yes. like when he crushes it, you're like, oh no, no more music. Yeah. Along oh with my the, God. the music and the Walkman, yes, absolutely. Well, then the symbolism of him getting a Zune and the moving zoom. on from the walk, like it's a product placement, but it's also like, oh, he's moving on. Like he can actually like move on with his life and he's not living in the fucking 70s Dude. and 80s anymore. He's going to move on to the new century. And so it's interesting what I use the Zune. Yeah. Do you remember the Zune, anyone? What I love about it is the fact that it's product placement for a product that doesn't exist it, it anymore, a, just yes. like the Walkman. Right. Yes. So, you know, he could have put in an iPod. He could have put in like a first gen iPod, but that, to put in the failed Zune was super hilarious for like geeky tech people. We're like, ah, oh, the Zune. It's Guardians, man. That's it's yeah. these fucking rejects, dude. So I mean, what's the next soundtrack gonna be? Because he's like three hundred songs. Like, is it gonna be just a long Spotify playlist for the it, next? It's one? just gonna be like early, like not late nineties, early two thousands music. I was gonna say if it's a Zune, yeah. it's got to be like early two thousands. He's gonna jump ahead to like Chumba Wumba it, and Smash Mouth. It's gonna be Ugh. fucking Ja Rule. <laughs> But yeah. but Peter has no connections to those songs. I know that's why he's going to learn. Okay, he's yeah. going to evolve it's as gonna a character ja through music. <laughs> he's going to evolve, but that like that's the bigger thing. He's going to he evolves through this. He's yeah. going to evolve as a character yeah. through fucking music yeah. through the zoo. What I can't wait to see is when they do the the next Avengers movies and Peter Quill finally comes back to Earth after all these yeah. years. Just the major culture shock of like the music and the technology and everything. It'll be like ridiculous. It's, It'll be so. It's fun. literally like Peter Quill is like Cap, where he's like stuck in this era. Yeah, and when he comes back to Earth, 
he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like they don't have the, the, all this shit's done. Like there's all these people are dead. What's going on? Like he, he'll be, he'll be acting like Chris Evans as cap. It reminds me of a story that uh, a friend of mine had told the me. Tale as old as time. <laughs> yes. Uh, working in the electronics department at like a, uh, a, I think it was like a Kmart or something like that. And talking to a guy who legitimately had just gotten out of prison after 30 years. Oh, shit. shit. And like just immediately him trying to wrap his head around the technology that exists. Oh today. my God, that would just blow. How do you even deal with that? Coming out of prison and be like, I can do what with my phone? What? Yeah. But so also it'll be interesting. So the, the time, uh, the setting, the time setting of this movie, I, I thought was interesting. I thought it worked. It made a lot of sense. You know, we were asking, why is it only a couple of months after the first movie? So in the movie, it's still late 2014. Mm. You know, if you do the math from when uh, Star-Lord a or, or sorry ego a very well de-aged appropriately de-aged kurt russell with 70s hair it's, it's the best they've ever had the de-aging even, be- yeah. even it better gets than better Stark. every time yeah. it gets better it was it was upsetting i think um, more of these older hollywood stars are gonna want to be in a marvel movie just so they can relive what they look like when they were young on the big screen because look at what they can do now I can't confirm this but one of the guys i went to go see the movie with uh last night had said that apparently Part of the de-aging they did for Kurt Russell was a mix of both practical and digital. Okay. Which is why it it didn't look nearly as much like they photoshopped a face onto a fake. So they're they're learning. They've done it now with Kurt Russell, Mm -hmm. with with, uh, Robert Dine Jr. Mm -hmm. And they also did it with uh, Douglas. What's his fucking? uh, Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Yeah. And it's gotten gotten way better every time. Every time, yeah, every time, every, every time they've been Michael improving. Douglas, it looked, eh, it looked okay. Then with Tony Stark, yeah. it looked like, oh wow, he looks yeah. fucking young. That was that, yeah, that was crazy. That and then was this like, one is like, you is he, like it, it, this one. Seamless. It literally like it was seamless. You don't like, Yeah, you did, it was like no, well, you, that's young Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? What they did was they started it with uh, Captain America: First Avenger. Oh yeah, when they oh. they were putting Chris Evans's head on the tiny skinny. You dude. know what? That effect still holds up. Like they were playing oh, First Avenger, and I was like, man, this is amazing how they you fall for this skinny guy. Uh, and it and it, it's, Chris Evans' head on it. Yeah, yeah, like his head's a little big, big and bobbly, but it, no, it, it, it works. works. Yeah. It works. Go ahead. So go ahead, Matt. You were going. You were continuing. I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's okay. Rug, uh, rug boy. Rug boy. Imran rug boy will, is Imran not here. Imran will, Fantastic. Imran will cut you off and get you on something else. So well, I was going to mention when, you know, Matt said it'll be neat to see them in Avengers. Like this team will be, four, it'll be four years later. So mm. a lot of things may change just when they show up. But I like that they set this six months later because you still see this team kind of working together uh, and and bonding and, and getting building. closer and and getting closer in some of these relationships. Uh, something I loved uh, that we mentioned the humor. The fucking humor was very well done. Now it may have been a lot top heavy, front heavy, but I was enjoying every second of it. Fucking Taserface and Rocket was I was I was dying. That was great because he just calls him out on a stupid. I, I got to say the MVP for me of the humor is Drax. Batista kills Dave it. Dave Batista is like. A fucking find because I remember they originally wanted to cast Jason Momoa in this role. Oh no! Yes. Oh no! And then they were like, "We can't get him." So they were like, "Dave Batista." And oh, everyone that's was the probably best like, thing. "Everyone was probably like, fucking WWE pro wrestler and get the fuck out of here." And like his character will probably just be a mute that is just the heavy. His character is so fucking earnest and so hilarious. Oh my god! Dude, the 
I mean, he had so many lines, but the line of the day, for, the line of the night for me is when he fucking puts on the jetpack at the end. He goes, just screams out, my nipples! And then just rides off. <laughs> my fa- one of my favorite lines is, yes, I have notoriously large turds. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite was when he was talking to Mantis. Oh, and he was just, God. He's just telling her about how it's good to be ugly, because then when someone loves you, yes. they love you for who you really She's are. She's like, I'm ugly? She yeah. go- he goes, yes, you're hideous. <laughs> you're hideous. Just like matter of fact. Just the thought yes. of me being yeah. with you physically yeah. is, oh. And he's like wretched. He's like, he's like dry heaving <laughs> yes. in bed. But he's, I think he's trying to like, that's a compliment. He's trying to compliment her later on, but in his head, that's what he thinks uh, she wants to hear. No, I, no, he definitely is insulting her, but he's like, he's just telling her like it is. He's telling her like But it he is. also sees like, if someone does end up loving you, then that means they actually they really like you. love you. <laughs> it's like, so Batista's casting is like, it's uh, a perfect character matched with someone who can write uh, appropriately knowing Batista's level of acting. Like it's all the perfect elements coming well, together. You also got the fact that Dave Batista has the physical charisma to pull off a role where he's completely shirtless the entire time. Yes. And, and, deadpan. and just giant, like, and he's just a giant person. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, He's huge, he is, dude. He is huge. And he, and it it's just it's so surprising that he can pull that off because he's not being he's being asked to do more than just stand around and just yeah. say lines. Yeah. Like he's asked to actually act and he's pulling it off. Yeah, he I mean, he's he's he nailed that role and uh I read this article where initially when he read the script, he didn't like the, the direction of Drax. He didn't get it. He was like, "Where are the jokes?" Uh he's like, "I don't And then when they sat down to do the table read, it clicked for him. People started laughing at his straight deadpan one-liners that he didn't get. He's like, oh, I get it now. And then the pairing of Mantis being the female version of just deadpan, literal, you but know, innocent. innocent. Yeah. yeah, they're both innocent. Yeah. So them together was great chemistry. I did have one little nitpick about Drax. Oh, crap. See, we've already derailed the good part section. No, it's all right. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, which it's it's sad for me because he is honestly one of my favorites. There were times where I wondered if maybe Batista was trying too hard to be funny with the character Mm -hmm. because he now understands Mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be funny about how, you know, how much he doesn't understand a situation. He's almost becoming too self-aware. He he did have the bellowing laugh. Yes. Maybe one too many. A lot. That was awesome. Yes. Yes. But I, I was gonna say, and it was, it was, it was in in rare spots because I mean things like when he decides I'm gonna go jump out of the back of the ship and try and shoot the other one with a gun in hand, yeah. and then That's you know awesome. as before he does just yells die spaceship <laughs> is great. Yeah. That works fine. But it was things like I think a lot of the stuff that they had him do with Mantis, it was obvious that he was trying really really hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could see that. But I mean, and that's it's it's very minuscule. Like that's that's at a point when you're like, well, I need to find something to be upset about. His that line and the Mary, I'm Mary Poppins. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Was, was, was yeah, no, I'm Mary Poppins, like, y'all. Was my favorite line of the movie. Is he cool? <laughs> yeah, is he cool? Yeah, he's cool. And that, not even it's not even that he says I'm Mary Poppins, but he thro- he's the Southern guy and he throws in y'all like I'm yeah. Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Very like, very confident. Like he, yeah. For a second, he brings back like Merle from The Walking Dead. In, in, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> into yeah. Yondu, you know? oh, and you hear it. You hear it every time he refers to somebody as boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's totally Merle. I'm like, is Norman Reedus going to be in this? My brother Merle. Where's my brother Merle? <laughs> that was great. So I'll, I'll interject. I mean, the heart, the the fucking family, like you put in here, yeah. the fatherhood, all those themes. I mean, it all wraps up towards the end of this film, where you got 
you know, the, the, the three-way uh, interaction between Ego, um, Peter, Peter and Yandu. Yeah, you also have the weird fucking Thanos. Like, you, this movie did more for fucking Thanos' diabolical, diabolicalness. Yeah. That's a fucking word. He than, really fucked up than his daughter. the first movie yeah. did, ever did. Like, they shouldn't even have had him in the first movie. Yeah. This movie, like, the, the fact that he was fucking replacing his daughter's body part with mechanical body parts every time she lost. Yeah. You're like, wow, that fucking guy is evil as shit. No, like, that's a great argument. That's a great, like, not that, having him in there. Yeah, and, and still, just talking about yeah. it. But, like, that weird chemistry where two sisters and then a, a an abusive father. And then you have, you know, Mantis and Dave Bautista, like, learning about each other. And then you have Rocket in there, who's basically Yondu's character, just younger. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Acting, acting up because he pushes the people away he that he's close to. That loves them. Yeah. And then you have the whole team kind of raising baby Groot right. as, like, their surrogate he's baby. Their, yeah, he's their kid. Yeah, which yeah. let's talk about Groot, man. Like, uh, of course, we knew he was going to steal the show. Uh, that opening dance scene was hilarious. So, just so fucking cute. You just want to bite him. You I just want to eat him. I, the first thing I think about when baby Groot is, how the fuck is Vin Diesel getting paid to do this? <laughs> like, did he, how much work did he really put into this movie? Now That's that, what I want to know. So, that, that video that I gave you guys, yeah. uh, where they, they showed both him and, and Bradley yeah, doing yeah, their lines. Yeah. I love the contrast between the two of them. So you see they've got Bradley wearing the the camera for like facial capture. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he's also like he's he's up and he's he's you know energetic and he's delivering these like as best as he can and you see like James Gunn is in the background like laughing his ass off at the line delivery. And then they show Vin and it's just him by himself in the room and the guy who's directing him is just like all right, now, uh, do you want do you want a little more angry? I am Groot. Okay, now just draw it out a little longer. I am Groot. Okay, and like that's that's what it okay, is. Okay, let's break for lunch. Uh, I think we're good. We'll see you for well, the, the next other, one. The other thing that I I had read was that apparently when they did the first movie, and I'm assuming it's when they do with this one as well, they gave Vin a very specific like a, a script that was only his. Where oh. Groot's lines were actually written out as what him saying "I am Groot" was oh, supposed cool. to be. Oh, say "I am Groot" as if you're saying this. So it's like you're saying "I am Groot," but what you're saying is "I agree with this person." Wow. So that it's "Oh, well, I'm Groot." Well, okay. So he has the thought in his head, oh, and that you, works. yeah, and you see that in this one a lot because uh, you kind of almost contextually figure out what he's saying. Uh, Rocket, I love <laughs> Rocket is great. Rocket's fucking uh, just him. The eye winking with the wrong eye was great, and and the little he said you're. I love the line where he goes. He said you're welcome to the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. Only he didn't use freaking. And he's like, you and I are gonna have to have a talk about your language. <laughs> that was really good. I think the other one that I really liked was the whole uh, the whole waiting to try and find tape thing during the battle. Oh my god, uh, you could hear Peter going around to different people asking them for tape just, during this just, battle. Yeah, scotch tape would work. Uh, uh, well, well, then why would you ask? Because <laughs> you can just hear Drax going, I don't have any scotch tape. <laughs> that all worked. Um, I'd also throw in like James Gunn, direction, his direction. So usually in the sequel, opens up with a big fucking action sequence, especially with an ensemble film. This one does. But it's in the background. But, but it's twisted on its head. It. And it's Baby Groot dancing while the, you're not even paying attention to the, the battle that's going on because Baby Groot is dancing and he's in the foreground. But, and there's also like just – I didn't really count that many big action scenes in yeah, this film. Yeah. And usually in the second film of a, of a sci-fi comic booky blockbuster, the action scenes are just ramped up to like to a level, like another level. This one, yeah, there, and there it, isn't. There isn't much. In that, same, in that same vein, you know, 
they always try and ramp up and make go you know go bigger, you know, have more locations or anything like that. This took place in like five locations, right. different planets, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, it was it was three planets, yeah. a spaceship, two spaceships, I think, and that was it. So wow. there, there, there yeah. is no memorable like there is no memorable fight scene because every fight scene is just character. It's all character development, exactly. which is really interesting because this is a, you know, there is a little bit of world universe ending uh, problems at the end, but it's really a very small, intimate character driven movie, right. even though it takes place in the vastness of space and all these fucking planets. By the way, uh, how is anybody who lives on Earth in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe surprised by anything I anymore? know. So much shit. Okay, so now, four years ago, this fucking shit happened in Missouri. Nobody's talked about it since then uh, because they I actually thought it was clever as a way to get them eventually back to Earth because yeah. they're like, oh, we, f- we need to go fucking Well, you Earth. see his, uh, his grandfather, his movie group, Peter Quill's granddad, and he's in the car – that once the blob That's stops, his grandfather. Yeah, how did you pick that? up? because uh, it was the it was he was in the first one in the yes. beginning uh, when the mom dies of cancer. Oh, I had no idea. I didn't pick that up at all. I may have read it later on, but I was like, oh yeah, that because <laughs> I I noticed that no, guy I, and I was like, watching the movie, right. I didn't realize that was yeah. him. But the moment Imran said it, I'm like, oh okay, I get and it. So to tie it, give him some Earth ties still for whatever because they, they had him show up in like the little uh, during the credits when they had like the little pictures that were moving yeah. of uh, characters. They had that guy, and I was like, that was just the dude in the car. Oh, he who, was like, in there too. I was yeah. like, what the fuck is yeah. he doing? Yeah. In in anyone else's hands, I would have like been through that first. 50 to 60% of that movie have been like, all right, this is just comedy over. Like I was literally thinking about it during the film. Like, is this just Iron Man three where it's mm. just Robert Downey Jr. Doing jokes over and over and over and over, over, over. And in anyone else's hands, I think I would have gotten tired of it. But with gun, I was just laughing the entire time that it like worked up until it needed to work. And then the character took, I, I think also think it was his way of giving us more, what we loved in the first movie right away, you know, giving us like, all the fun, best of greatest hits of the guardians to kind of get it out of the way. And then the story progresses. Well, and that's the great thing about the way gun approaches it. Like, especially with the opening credit sequence where it, it is, you know, every, every movie that that would, you know, anybody who else who made this movie would have done, you know, the big fight with the giant interdimensional alien to try and be like, all right, we're in it right away. But with gun, he's like, yeah, but, that doesn't matter. Like that yeah. doesn't matter to the story. It doesn't matter to the characters. So instead I'm going to be like, Hey, look at this baby tree dancing. That's fucking adorable. That, even not only yeah. that, but like even like the character tropes, like the, the big fight scene in the beginning always establishes like this character is good at this. And this character is this, and this character has this power literally like within the first scene, Gamora's holding a gun and Peter Quill's like, it's I like, thought swords yeah. were your thing. Yeah, yeah, he like they, he's yeah. literally just fl- like, it doesn't matter how they fight. These characters, there's no distinct fighting style for any of these guys because it doesn't fucking matter. I, and then then even on top of that, they flip it around to the whole point of making the joke of, you know, he he points out, oh, you're using guns. I thought you used swords. And she uses and a sword. She does use it. a sword at right. the end. Uh, no, it's this is uh, James Gunn, like along with your Joss Weed and John Favreau, like his stamp is over this movie. He's so confident in what he wants to put on screen. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about like the Marvel color grading issue on the earth based movies, this movie and the, the first one does not suffer that at all. I was engrossed in CG, uh, ego, the living planet, just gorgeous. Like every set, I was like, wow, this fucking set is great. I read somewhere. Uh, someone's comment was like Michael Rooker MVP on that article I read on birth movies death, but then they also put in 
Jack Kirby MVP because this movie just took everything Jack. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you're going to see a lot of that in Thor Ragnarok right. is more Jack Kirby influence, but God, the, the beautiful colors. Every scene kind of had its own color palette, just visual eye candy. Uh, fucking loved it. Okay. What else? Uh, what, what else worked for you guys? <laughs> I was going to say Sean Gunn. Oh, yeah. Another standout in it. He was he was uh, really funny and who would have known and who yeah. would not only funny but like he's got like a little bit of like fatherly thing going on with Yandu as well and he may be like the next Yandu uh, you know according to that post credit scene kind of picking up the mantle with the arrow uh, but it, yeah. oh my god was that yeah. great no see that's yeah. and that's that's another thing it's it's another short moment that is so it's so great with character because it's like he you know he he's this kind of bumbling you know first mate fool. But he has the potential of being something great. And then just yet again, making it that Drax is the butt of the joke. Yeah, <laughs> always. Well, and also like Sean Gunn, like physically, not Hollywood. Right. At all. Right. But by the end of this film, you're like, I could get I could go on board with this guy joining the team. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Sean Gunn is this generation's Clint Howard. Who's Clint Howard? Clint Howard was the younger brother of Ron Howard who showed up in every one of his oh, movies. Oh shit. <laughs> because he is because he is not an attractive man. Clearly didn't leave much of a depression because I'm like, who the fuck's Clint Howard? No, if, if I, I see I'll, his I'll face, a, I'll be like, oh that guy. Say, I'll send a picture over to you. The moment you see him, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know. That guy's him. been in everything. Oh, no, yeah. man, the heart, the heart was great. And the, even in the beginning, you get uh with the the the, the action scene in the background, you get the heart of the characters how they're defending baby Groot and looking after him while they're fighting. Talking about this movie like makes me want to go watch it again. Yeah. I've only seen it once. Usually I've like seen it two I, or three times. I legitimately was talking to my brother earlier. I was like, it's like, Hey, uh, you know, if you're not doing anything tonight, you want to go see guardians? Like I saw it last night. I'm talking about it now. I would immediately like I would I would drop doing this show right now and go see it. Again. Well, don't do that. We got to still talk about. Yeah, it. we still got to talk about. And like, <laughs> no, fuck you guys. I'm he, out. <laughs> like, fucking gun packs so many so many nods to Marvel history, Marvel comics, Easter eggs, little touches. The fucking the the football game that he uses in the beginning to track the things is great. I love touches like that. Uh, and we'll get to the Easter eggs. There's tons of characters. Well, it looks mentions. like when the Sovereign are hunting the fucking. Uh, yes, they're, like, they're basically playing Atari. Yes, like, they're all. It's a, oh, it's an arcade. It's a it's a it's a nod to the '80s arcade yeah. where everyone stands around watching. And then when the guy gets blown up, the guy's like, "You suck, dude!" Yeah. <laughs> like that's what you, you suck. That's what you would do. Yeah. But even the the, the sound effects. The so- was like, we're we're sound yeah. effects. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that is great." Little touches like that fill this movie and just make it so much fun. It's. I think it's also the fact that. Like I, we, I'd seen this. I said this before on the show, but no one actually gives a fuck about the Guardians before this happened. Yeah. So Gunn literally just has this palette that he can just do whatever the fuck he wants, and he just makes this like ode to the '80s and the '70s and all that stuff, and it's just it just works because these characters, they they they've now he's molded them to embody this. Yeah. No one like. Before this era, no one gave a fuck about Star Lord, so you could do whatever the hell you want. He wanted. owned it, and they're just they're you know they're great, relatable, flawed characters, despite like, them being like aliens. Ego, yeah. If you're a comic book fan, that's not ego at all. Yeah, this is not fucking Star Lord. Ego is not a celestial. First no. of all, ego is a living planet, and he's pretty much a living planet. Yeah, there is no human form. There is no ego. human form. So let's talk about that a little bit because this was a big concern going in. Like, how the fuck are they going to do this? And for once. I feel like they did a good job explaining the villain and his motivations and giving this villain more, uh, more heart, more depth. 
than a lot of their villains well, in these it's, movies. It's interesting that they made they finally got a villain good or correct. Wow, yeah. I, I can't speak. You speak good. I speak, speak good. Speak more gooder. But it's it's a character that like on paper shouldn't work at all, and it hasn't worked at all in film prior to this. Because if you look at like comic book films, Galactus sucked dick yeah. in Fantastic Four. Uh, what's the name? Parallax and Green Lantern, fucking terrible. Yeah, terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Space even, even villains like, are always hard. Even like the, the fact Dormammu that, yeah. and Star- Doctor Strange, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But like the fact that you're able to pull off such an awesome villain with a character that is like you physically can't even like imagine how big he is. Right. Is, is unreal for me. So, sorry, go ahead, Dahar. Well, no, I was just going to say they seem to have this problem where they constantly believe that doing a, you know, planet sized go- you know, galactic enemy is, well, it's just too ridiculous. It won't work. So we're just going to make it a giant space cloud. Make it a, cloud. Cloud. Make it a big <laughs> fart. It's a right. big space fart. Yeah. Uh, but this one, man, they went all in and just... So let's discuss for a second, Does this does this fix the Marvel villain problem in this movie? I feel like they got a lot of things right. Uh, but in the end, ultimately, they may have fallen back on their old villain tropes. Now... All right. On there, bring them in for one and then kill them off. That, and, well, well, we'll save it for the nitpick. There's a couple of things. But initially, I think you have to uh, credit the marketing of this movie because there was no indication who the big villain was going into it. You thought it would be Aisha and the Sovereign. You knew Peter Quill's father was going to show up. But that reveal got to me when he tells people that he, uh, when his plan starts to unveil, the moment he goes, that's why I put a tumor in your mom. Like the audience gasped. People were like, Wow! Oh shit! You know, and and it was a well earned surprise. I did not see that coming. Well, it's also implied that he's been fucking everybody over. Yeah, the world. he spread and, his space and, and seed everywhere, killing all them. Yes, because none of them, none of them came up with the celestial. No, well, not only team. the kid, but like it's implied that he's the moms killing too. The moms too. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's it's been implied that he's killing the moms. It's been implied that he's killing the planets. Right. Oh because, shit! That's right. Uh, Mantis made mention of I was I was the only thing left on my planet oh, wow. and so he, he took me so back. He planted one of those seeds probably and then just uh destroyed the planet. And, and it's also it's genius because he says like this is the third time I've I visited your mom three times and the fourth time if I didn't leave mm-hmm. I would have never left. Yeah, I would have and I would have and I would have abandoned my plan. So and like, his still- mom was so great yeah. that he would have turned good for her but he, in the end he's still an evil motherfucker. Imagine someone telling you your mom was such a great leg <laughs> that he almost didn't destroy the universe because of it. Yeah. I was ready to give up being a god for your mom. Here's a question for both of you. Yeah. What was more impactful? Him, you finding out that he late put the tumor in his mom's head yeah. or him crush, crushing the Walkman? Oh. <laughs> Those are both really get you in the feels moment. Right? I, I'm going to say it's it's probably the Walkman. <laughs> Walkman beats cancer. Now, here's the funny thing. It. Here's the funny thing. It sounds stupid, <laughs> but here's why. Because him giving the mom cancer, I kind of always assumed. Uh, not, and it, not, okay. not purposefully, yeah. though. I thought it was like being with him wound up giving her cancer uh, or something. Okay. Oh. Destroying. So it's, it's him finding out that he killed his mom. Sucks. It's a big moment. Him destroying the Walkman is him killing his mom again. Yeah, yeah, in front true. of him. That's true. That's yeah. that's that's very good logic. Yeah, because he, that's who you got the walkman. Well, from. I just I remember thinking back to that first film, and it opens with the mom dying. Yeah, and, and you're like, this is the saddest thing yeah. ever. And yeah. this is how this movie is going to open up. And then you remember now that he is the one that caused all that sadness. And I'm like, 
Wow. Well, that's another that uh, genius thing about this villain is they've they set him up in the first movie. Yeah, like no, this, very these, organic. These these two films work almost like you have to watch them back yes. to back now. I, it's, yes. I, it's what I said last night is I can't wait until I have the ability to watch these movies one right after the yeah. other. Yeah. Oh, they'll they'll play so well together because they you want more and you still want more. When well, it's I know that James Gunn had said that he basically had this entire film written. He just had to figure out who. Who could fill the role of what eventually became ego? And I think they picked like up. He best. had all the, the framework in place. I think you got to credit this. Kurt Russell too for pulling this off. Well, he also needed a character. Like he he found. Oh. He, there was a lot of negotiation because ego is technically, I think, a Fox Fantastic Four character. Yeah, he he was a Fantastic right. They traded. Four remember, they, they traded powers or something with Teenage Negasonic right. Warhead. He needed something ego. like. That felt celestial. That wasn't a celestial. Yeah. So, and, but and to your point of that, he can do whatever he wants with the Guardians. He's fucking with uh, ego and the, the Marvel canon in terms of ego being a celestial. But it doesn't matter. It works. Like Peter is a, a half god for a while, right. and and I love how that explains why he could hold on to the Infinity Stone in the first. Movie. How about going? In, how about the the moment where Peter? can create anything and he creates a baseball to toss with his dad. How adorable is that? <laughs> like I was, Literally everyone's like laughing like, oh my God, it's a baseball. Oh no. Oh it it hit me right <laughs> yes, in the heart. Like, yes. That was that was the beginning of like feeling feelings yeah. in yeah. this movie was like because he, even the fact it was like legitimately just once before when he's telling the whole story about how he used to pretend David Hasselhoff yep. was his dad, yep. and he's he's like, I saw kids like you know playing catch with their fathers, and I wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. And then like he gets it, and like it's it's suddenly it's slowing down, it's slow mo, oh, yeah. and they got the music swelling. I'm like, oh fuck, and you, and you got Kurt Russell like just being like, yeah, with that big ass yeah, grin on it. his face, yeah. throw it, buddy. He doesn't have to say anything. I will catch it and I'll throw it back. You instantly become a kid, <laughs> which like that's what I'm saying. You need a Kurt Russell in this role because that's the shit he could pull off. Yeah. You know, that is the relatable human iconic. Uh, it's just so perfect. You know, you might as well put a hat. I mean, Hasselhoff was in there for a second, but it is well, like he's it's, a it's Gunn's genius because he wrote the lines. Initially, you're like, that's fucking hilarious. He thinks of his dad as David Hasselhoff. Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, wait, there's character in just him saying that and yeah. using David, David yeah. Hasselhoff as yeah. well. Like, it's just. The genius by the end of the film, if if you're paying attention to everything, is is reveals itself so well, and I'm just like, wow. like literally, I was smiling towards the end of the film. Yeah, very, very, very tightly written, very good stuff. Any other uh, good things you want to point out before we? How about uh, how about I think Baby Groot pulling off everything but the fucking fin? Uh, oh, that the, 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 oh, yeah. he's like, uh, you don't have a drawer full of severed thumbs, do you? <laughs> he's like, all right, let's just never mention this. Yeah, I was going to say, it's what I loved was the subtle hints at like just how confusing what the Ravagers do is. Because yeah. there's like the one point when they, uh, they're sending um, Nebula on her way and Sean Gunn has the line of like, yeah, we got a whole box full of hands. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, right. if that that's, one doesn't work right. for you. <laughs> Oh, baby, it was hilarious, and uh, the fin, Yandu's fin, was awesome. I was really happy. To I, see I, him caught that, I caught that. I caught that Easter egg. I was like, "Oh, that's old Yandu." That's, that's what he's supposed Yandu. to look yeah. like, and uh, it was fantastic looking. How about the, this film just casually just murdering hundreds of people? 
And you're just like, oh, cool. They always do that, though. <laughs> Actually, remember we went over the death tolls in movies, and yeah. the last Guardians movie has the highest death toll. Oh, it was like 83,000 people Well, this one's just like arrow, arrows through the heart. Yeah. Just like very casually. Like, uh, just, oh, look at all this murder. Oh, uh, just zip, 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 zip. <laughs> it looks beautiful. Look Everyone's at this murder. Dying. It's so beautiful. I mean, and then I guess when those seeds did uh, break open on planets, oh, there's dying. more hundreds of thousands of people dying. Right. The first movie killed like 800,000, 80,000? Well, 80, yeah, I mean, they, Nebula and uh, Gamora find a cave full of just dead children yeah and yeah yeah right. all the all the various skulls of the the, the different children right. he's killed right which is it's just like like if this was uh if this was a dc this film we'd be like oh my god why is there this, this a, much murder this is a Zack Snyder it, it's all in the way you handle it right and honestly in the way of the writing the the journey that they took the character of yondu on throughout oh, that yeah. movie god. Is so great, even to the point where it's like that that opening bit when he's talking to Stallone, yeah. and Stallone just plants the little seed of like, you know, uh, we had one rule that you don't deal in kids, and so if he, at first you're just thinking, oh, he got kicked out because of Quill, right. and then when you find out later on from Ego that he had him collecting all of them, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh fuck, so it's like. Ego even ruined his life. The fact that the, on yeah. top of all these other so things. So the fact that Yandu knew this whole time what was going on, I love it ties back to why he didn't deliver Peter to Ego. And you feel bad for Yandu from that very first scene where we meet him because there's kind of a mutiny going on, and uh, you know, you, you and Yandu just wants to be part of the Ravagers. He feels he he wants to be part of the well, team. And, and it's like, and him. they hint at it, but it just builds throughout the film. Like they're like, you're like. Why are people loyal to Yandu? Like, why does he have this crew that's like still sticking with him after all this shit he's done? And then you realize that, well, deep down, Yandu probably cared for everybody yeah, on this crew, yeah. and that was just his—he he just had a, an, a, a unique way of showing it. Yeah, you can see it in his face when they're doing the whole mutiny bit, and they have him tied to the chair. The way that he is just staring off and disconnected. Yeah, from it's all so of sad. It. Yeah. Because it is legitimately his friends killing each other and threatening to kill him. Yeah. Oh, Yandu, fucking a, dude. And he's like, he just can't tell. That, that, this is like the, one of the points where I, I like have to point to like the, one of the criticism. Mar was they never kill anybody, right? Yandu dying, yes. is like feels this man. one like, right in the feels. This one is really upset that they killed fucking Yandu, and the and this is the scene, second consecutive beautiful, yeah, that. And this is the second consecutive film where I've like legitimately walked out of a Marvel film. Like, wow, that's kind of sad. Not the second, not skipping Doctor Strange, but like the end of Civil War, like you're like, fuck, man. Yeah. Tony Stark and Captain America aren't friends anymore. And how can they be like, after like this? That, that's worth me to me just as much as any death. And yeah. then Yandu, who a character that no one gave a fuck about before Guardians even came out, he dies and you're like, fuck, that's the feels too. Like Marvel, they, they can't kill their main characters because we know that these guys have to stay around forever, but they're still doing things that make you feel things. He's got that great line where he's like, I'm not your father, but I'm still your I'm daddy. I'm still your daddy. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. I think one of the greatest things is like, this is such a Michael Rooker thing is it's exactly what they did with Merle, where when you first yeah, meet him, yeah. he's kind of this, this smarmy douchebag that you really have absolutely no connection to. And then as time goes on, they, they reveal that he actually has a really good heart. Yeah. He is a he is willing to go as far as he has to to take care of the people he loves and dies for it. And once he's dead, your only reaction is, I did not appreciate this character for who he was until he was gone. Right. Rugger plays that that rough around the edges, tough but soft with a heart. Let, let me throw inside. in my my uh, sh every show weekly show uh, this against Batman v Superman. 
Compare that to fucking Superman dying in Batman versus yes. Superman. Superman, the the title character in this film. Yes. And no, everyone's like, uh, yeah, I don't. Feel that anything. is such a clear black and white comparison. We're, we're, yeah, of how and to it, do it's it literally right. the title character, and they can't. And, and you they get can't nothing. Make the, you make it you feel nothing. nothing. It yeah. meant nothing. Where this, where's this <laughs> Yandu? Who, fucking Yandu. Yeah. A blue guy with a fin who yeah. whistles in an arrow. Whistles an arrow. Right. I was, was going to say the, the southern, the southern blue skin dude who shoots you with an arrow. He. Whistles I love. At. I love how Rocket's like. I thought Yandu was your dad. Oh no, Drax. Didn't Drax say that? He yeah. goes. I thought. Yeah, it's like he, he's got he blue goes, skin. I thought Yandu was your father. <laughs> it's like what? He's blue. <laughs> Isn't it? I think he even mentioned that. I think Yandu is part Cree, or he is Cree. Yeah, they kept talking about the Kree were coming. I think he I think said that he Kree. was Kree. No, the Kree were coming after him because of the first movie. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh, they were still chasing him, yeah. I thought he mentioned that he might be Kree, but yeah. I, maybe I just misheard. But you really get the sense that, like, Yandu raised Peter, you know? And, and, and it's just so... And the funeral, like, when have they given such a great funeral for a, an in-movie for a character that just seems so appropriate? And it was a great follow-up. Well, they, they, like, the, they, they did Thor The Dark World where it was a play on, like... Letting the ships float. Oh, in the yeah. Ocean. So yeah, that kind of, yeah. when, when uh, what's her face died? Uh, I forget. His wife. Or Thor, or oh, Freya. Freya. Yeah. So they did do something kind of cool like that, but this one was way more spectacular. See, what I think is, is really interesting, and I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that they didn't do more of it, was they do touch throughout the whole movie, like, again, it's Gunn planting these tiny little pieces about Yondu being a father figure to Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he and he and uh, Rocket are fighting over who's going to go flying us through this asteroid field, he makes the comment, Yandu had me flying this thing since I was 10 years old. Yeah. So you already get the idea mm-hmm. of Yandu taught me how to te- how to do how to this. Why? Yeah. Uh, when they get to the point where Ego is asking Peter, you know, what point is there to life other than basically controlling all of life? And he has his little like flashbacks to the things he appreciates. Yeah. There's the moment of Yandu teaching him how to shoot his. his I pistols. love that shot. I was like, "Oh, look at that!" Yeah, and like it's. I wanted to see more yeah, of that. Yeah. I was like, "Now that we're getting this whole idea of like, I get it. Yandu was the father he always well, needed." Yeah. Also, you get just in the scene where Yandu and Rocket are arguing, and he's like, "You're basically." He basically tells him like, "You're me." Yeah. So you're basically what you're seeing in Rocket is young Yandu on screen, and he's basically like, "Don't make the fucking mistakes I made because." If you do that, you're going to end up on the path like me, where you're just fucking. You're not. You're not the. Per, you're there, not the person you are the, when you look in the mirror. The, the yeah. character beats in this movie are so, amazing. Yeah, like, Rocket, there's so Rocket much. learns from Yandu yeah, and is now and, evolved because Yandu it was in his life. Because especially again, going back and seeing Yandu talks about you know keeping everybody at arm's length because you don't want to be hurt right, by right. caring yeah. about them. And you see that what that leads to is the people he cares about turning on him and trying to kill him. Which is precisely why Rocket stole the battery. Just because. Just because. Just because he was like, well, I got to make these people like hate me again. I'm starting to like everyone. I'm going to make them hate me. And then that battery ends up inadvertently being the reason why they destroy Ego. They both discover their self-sabotaging ways. Right. Yeah. And the battery ties into the very like, man, fucking what's such great writing. Otherwise, yeah, if he doesn't steal that battery they have no chance of defeating ego wow it's uh, that is that's awesome right it's not a, like it's sort of a do sex mocking up but yeah. not really it was not as big as a, a mcguffin yeah as, it's, as it's not the like they just found one of the yeah. infinity gems no. and did this no everything it, 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 and it I, was egos I, or, uh, it was rockets fucking self-sabotage that mm-hmm. ended up helping the team and recklessness i have yeah. to say that's one of the things also about this movie that i really liked was that they did not yet again center everything around an infinity stone yeah. yes 
so that was the thing. I, like, I was I was at one point when they were talking, you know, um, they were talking about like the power in the center of the planet and everything like that. And they said like, well, we got to kill what's down there, his brain or his soul or whatever. I was like, oh fuck, tell me it's going to be the soul gem. Yeah. I'm surprised the center of evil. I'm surprised but, there was no mention of any stones. That's uh, that was ballsy. I think we're going to see the soul gem in Thor Ragnarok. Well, though. it also like again enriches the first film because you're like, why the fuck can Quill hold an yes, infinity yes, stone? Yes. Oh, it's because he's a fucking celestial. And at least it's, he's yeah. legit half right. god. And at least they explained that he was just like a floating brain ego who just build a thing and then he's like I want to be flesh yeah. and it, that reminded me a lot of what they're doing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Ada like she she's built herself a flesh well, also like the the play on well I've lived for a million years I've seen everything yeah. and you know what life is not perfect you know what's perfect me Yeah, I'm gonna make it perfect by destroying all the life and being everything just being me like that actually works for yeah. me because he's like you know what I've lived life and it's actually quite disappointing right <laughs> he's like I'm just gonna wipe it out yeah I'm just gonna because <laughs> everything should just be me yeah. I, I make it better yes everything will live if it's me if if things if you let life live its course eventually that everyone's gonna die that sucks yeah why not just live forever? just hand it over to me yeah, I'll hand take it care over of it. to me don't worry about it. Makes sense. I think we should move into are, are we loving this too much? What didn't work? Maybe what we didn't <laughs> like? Uh, who wants to start? I got a thing I can start with. All right. Uh, can Peter and Gamora just fuck already and get it over with? This fucking will they or won't they fucking soap opera bullshit from television? See, but I feel like that still works yeah. because they even comment. Yeah, on it. that's true. He outright calls it a sitcom situation. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it's a show that doesn't exist. He's like, he's it's it's it's, a, like it's Sam and Diane from yeah. Cheers, and she's like, I don't even know what Cheers is. He's like, we're not a Cheers, we're in some other show that doesn't exist. I, I actually think Marvel does romance really well because yeah they don't actually in a lot of the films they don't have that big moment where they kiss like they always hold off on that stuff because that's so cliche in a fucking superhero film the dancing they only did once yeah. and it was in civil war yeah. and when it happened it then led to a great comedy moment yeah. of two of his best yeah. friends watching yeah. him kiss right. her <laughs> yeah so I, I mean i guess on the other side the plus, but i can see the frustration yeah really like, again but you know it, that they're gonna hook again up, right? it is but timing of it that it's only like a few months after the last one these feelings are still there. You know, they got to hook up there. The dancing he's bit, got, I He's did, got a sexual love. I, I did. He's got, you have romantic love. Ha ha ha, do me next. Uh, sexual love. But wait, if I could go back to what did work for a second sure. with that, because. I feel like we're going to have we're gonna have, these have to go back and, and then we're going to be like, but it kind of was working. The theme of dancing yeah. <laughs> throughout the movie was very interesting because it explained a couple of things. It explained why Groot freezes whenever Drax looks at him and he stops dancing. Because Drax considers dancing a weakness. Oh. And that's what he looks for in a mate, which was another hilarious. She goes, you could have the most rousing music. She would even tap her foot. It was almost like she was dead. <laughs> it fully, oh, he's like, he's like, yeah, she sounds like a hottie. Oh, yes. She did indeed engorge my lord. <laughs> engorge my lord. He's like, all right, enough. <laughs> but this whole theme of dancing, and then he, he danced with her. He's like, why are you afraid of dancing? You know, I like to dance. She does it. Uh, stuff like that. That so. works, yeah. Okay, back to what didn't work. Who's got one? Uh, I honestly, there were points where I wondered if they were trying to push Baby Groot too much. Yeah, yeah, that was you know with the merchandise. I feel like that was mm -hmm. I feel like that was a Disney push. Mm -hmm. it was like at some point the the producers came back to Gun and they were like, we want more of Baby Groot because we got to sell that. Oh, shit. you got to believe they saw this thing as a huge cash cow. The Baby Groot. I definitely, I definitely agree with that too because I actually don't think Baby Groot was the funniest character in the entire film. I thought it was. Dra I thought Drax was funnier. I thought yeah, Yondu had funny. It was lines. Uh, it borderline gimmicky a little. 
little bit. Yeah. You know, he was adorable, but it got a little. Like, good. how many times can you look at a puppy yeah, crying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, I mean, it was cute the way he was like, kind of like a puppy or kind of like a baby. Like, right. you know, or, you know, he put things in his mouth. The rocket's like, spit that like out. He, I was going to say he had good moments, yeah. like the whole opening bit where, you know, he's, he's telling him to spit the thing yeah. out when he's trying it's to like, eat it, where disgusting. he's randomly having like these little two year old tantrum outbursts. Yeah. Yeah, like when uh, when Drax falls he on the music and he immediately him. starts hitting yeah. him, yeah. or how like in the middle of the fight he stops, he's looking at Gamora and she looks at him, he just waves. <laughs> she's goes, like, "Yeah, hi." hi. I love that. That he's, works. He's riding those little pests and w- shit. When they, d- oh, man, I gotta throw in another positive. Okay, that's moment. fine. It's gonna but be a mix. When they space jump like seven thousand. Oh jumps, yeah. And then at the end, he like. Just barfs just up. Throws yeah, up. he just throws up like green. a baby. Yeah. Also, you got the fucking that like whole scene was great. It reminded me like the mask when the dog puts on yep. the mask. Like yep. their if their faces just expanding. I was dying. Seven hundred jumps. We're not supposed to be doing this. Their, their eyes popping good. out. It's like all oh, that straight eighties. That's and, um, so good. You know what? Again, we're gonna go back to something that worked. I'm surprised we didn't mention <laughs> uh, Yondu and Rocket taking out the entire Ravager. Oh, that was yeah. that was a great that was a great scene. And I think is funny is that it was this weird bit of ironic foreshadowing of when they were doing that. Like my buddy uh, Nick sitting next to me is like, you know, Yandu's just walking down the catwalk, whistling. Everybody's dying around him. And Nick goes, so that means basically he's untouchable. And he winds up being the character who dies at the end of the movie. I also love when uh, uh, the the gold lady, Aisha, she laughs at Taserface once he tells her. (laughs) We haven't even talked about Taserface. Uh, I gotta throw in one of the negatives, although it fucking ended up working at the end of the film. <laughs> it's hard to find negatives. It's hard, but I at first like the like again the first like fifty to sixty percent of the movie, like I was just like, all right, every scene I was just waiting for the joke. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, I, is this ever gonna be something? Is there ever gonna be something substance here, or is this just a big joke? Yeah. So I, I was, it was making me contemplate during the film, like. Are, are they just resting on their laurels that every character is funny? Or are they, uh, yeah. is there actually a film here? There I, ended up being a film, but I was like, every, at some point, at one point of the film, I'm like, all right, every scene is just going to be a punchline. So I can also see people walking away from this movie thinking it's just purely surface level fun and it's similar to the first one, maybe a little too repetitive. Uh, and, you know, whether it is exactly like the first one, uh, and so also some of the, the, the B C plot storyline relationshipy things felt a little bit like TV plotline writing, you know, how you jump from one They're, thing to, and then you go back. Uh, so I could see it being surface level, maybe a little bit. I think one of the things that, um, definitely was a little bit of a drawback and it's, it's definitely a problem that they had with iron fist as well is they had a lot of instances where because they felt like they were short on time or there were things they needed to get to, a lot of characters just outright spoke how they felt yes. or how something related to them. Yes, yeah. I, will, I will agree. So structure-wise, to your point, anything, yes, the first first act, all setup joke. Second act, very heavy exposition-y. But then he makes up for all of that with the fucking awesome final last yeah. act scene. You know? Yeah, it's tough to like hate on the first two acts. Just he saved that, it. He the saved third it. Third act is he so good. Saved it with that third act, the whole ending, and all the post credit scenes being part of the the last final experience. I'll throw in that like ego being a celestial, and it's like this motley crew of characters killing him was uh, a little unbelievable. Just if you're if you're like a Marvel, if you're like a Marvel, they just like, fucking killed each, a celestial. Right, each of these characters can, rank can, in a certain power set like this is a celestial and he dies it can definitely feel 
Um, it's like you're killing Galactus. A little, a little over the top. Right. Um, I think part of what it builds into is, A, the fact that it was a Celestial killed by a half-Celestial mm-hmm. and his friends. It's also supposed to be playing into the idea of everybody underestimates the Guardians. That's true. So everyone would think, like, oh, these, these five Jagoffs, like, killed a Celestial. It's like, yeah, they did. But now think, imagine that reputation in the universe now, which is why, you know, Nebula's hate towards Thanos and that, well, I think it'll play in well in Infinity well, War. Their their reputation was already, they were already being noticed because Star-Lord was able to hold an Infinity Stone. So they yeah, already they, have they, Thanos' attention. Ego made a comment about how he's like, oh, yeah, when I when I heard that there was, you know, a, an, an Earther who could hold a, a stone, like a, hold a, an Infinity Stone. And you're like, so that means everybody's talking. I love, I love Drax when he goes... My dad used to tell us stories of when he impregnated my mom all the time. It was just <laughs> disgusting. It was, it was beautiful. He's like, you Earthers have hangups. It's <laughs> so good. I'll throw in, if you're a casual fan and you're expecting a ton of action, this isn't your film. And also, I don't think you can no, just walk true. into this movie without seeing the first one. No, 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 no. no Which no, no, I no. think some people I mean, will do. But at the same time, who the hell walks into number two? <laughs> people do it. Like, as know. the first, like, yeah, I guess I'll just watch this scene. watch it backwards. I'm an ass. I, one time I walked into a Harry Potter film when it was, like, the sixth one. Or, yeah. And I literally hadn't seen it. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I was that asshole, like, this sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know anything. You're not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah. So, okay, back to the villain of what I, what, it worked and it didn't work. It worked for all the things we said. I think where ultimately he kind of copped out and failed at the end is that it became two guys in suits kind of equally powered fighting each other briefly again. One of the things that I commented on, though, um, and this is funny. The Pac-Man enough, bit this was is, hilarious. This is now, the Pac-Man thing was uh, great. Yeah. And I, I, it also leads to that. what I think yeah. was another one of the greatest lines in the movie, which was, oh, I'm going to build some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Forgot but about it was, that. Oh, my God. While I was watching um, Ego and Peter fighting, it made me think, again, kind of flashing back to to DC versus Marvel, this was what I felt Superman versus Zod should have looked like. Ah! And I mean, and it's not to huh. say, like, Superman versus Zod didn't look like this in Man of Steel, right. but it was like, this was the emotional level that, yes. that there was supposed yes. to be to it. Yes. That this was like, you know... For Peter, this is this is my father. Yeah. For Superman, this is the only person left of my race. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, this is my father. You killed my mother. Well, it's it, huge it, to, to that man. Is still, it's literally like this is my last connection to the family I ever wanted, and I'm have to, I'm gonna have to. I kill have him. to kill him now. But it didn't but wasn't quite like reach that, that emotional. <laughs> it wasn't like that. No, I was gonna say it didn't get that far no. with it with this one because it, it, it at least was able to then turn around and say. This, you know, you, this is the father that you've always wanted, but you can't have him, but you've had a father all along. In Man of Steel, he didn't. His dad died. Um, and his dad didn't teach him shit. No. In fact, his dad told him, hey, don't save anyone. They're all a bunch of assholes. Don't be a hero. Yeah. Everyone sucks. This planet they're is not, awful. They're not worth your time, Clark. Now, so now bye. Great fatherly advice. How about another character we, we haven't mentioned yet, but I think deserves a little bit of love? She's not exactly like the funniest character although she did have some funny moments too where she's playing like the straight character looking at these people all ridiculous but karen gillian is nebula yeah she's pulling that yeah. off she Her physical she, charisma is there yeah she amped it up a lot she more look great yeah. look she looked great as nebula and because i yeah. remember i remember in the first one one of the problems i had was is i felt like there's a lot of there's a lot of great things going on here and you can see karen gillian trying way too hard to act mm-hmm. in this one it was far better yeah. See, but that, so the, the other thing that kind of bothered me about the writing were these 
like I said, these little, like, they have the sister relationship. It's very TV. And then for a while, it's like Drax and Mantis don't really have much to do but just hang out and you see their character. And some things are just kind of random. Like, Eagle just shows up fucking out of nowhere, really, to save them. No explanation. Oh, the first no, time. They, they explain that because they, um, why do they explain that? They had the Sovereign. There was something going on with the Sovereign where he noticed what was going on. Oh. Yeah. Because, like, what took him so long to find fucking people? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly thinking it may have been... There were a lot of moments in this movie where it was, I missed dialogue because I was laughing. I missed... I did miss a lot of dialogue because the whole audience was laughing. And uh, No, they, they explained it, but I just don't remember exactly how they explained it. But they explained it. seemed that. a little, like, just... It, I mean, he did blue. pop out of nowhere. Yeah. He'd be like, maybe it's the tiny man. It was, it was a one-inch man. <laughs> it was a one-inch I mean, inch he probably would have been bigger yeah. if he was closer. Yeah. <laughs> a one-inch man. A one-inch man. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm trying to think of things, and I just I don't have so, much. Uh, Are you sad that Ego's gone? No, I'm more sad that Yandu's gone. So I'm okay they killed Ego. Because that's a lot of, everyone complains, oh, well, they kill these villains, and they can never mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is that with a villain like Ego, you have to Absolutely, kill absolutely. He's because too big of a to fucking have, threat out there. Have, yeah, to have something be that powerful just looming, like we already, we've already been waiting for Thanos for fucking nine years now. Mm-hmm. Um, to then have it be like, oh, well, Ego's going to want his revenge and this guy's still out there and they still have to deal with, you know, Galactus or whatever. It's going to be too much because, yeah, it works for the comics. But in that movie universe, because of how much more connected everything is, it's going to be dogpiling. I feel like we're, we're, we're grasping at things to be picnic. There really so- isn't that much. I mean, I'm having fun. Like, there's a lot to geek out. Yeah, about this is a this. good one to talk about. This is a fun one to talk about. And that's great. I love being able to come on and just like fucking be so happy about what we're talking about instead of sitting here and being like, oh, this fucking movie. Even, even Anthony is positive this time on things. Surprising. No, it literally is like it's a lot more fun to be more positive about these things. Like people think that like it's fun to hate on things. It is fun. We don't it's want fun, to. But, but I don't want fun. to hate no. on it. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 I don't go out. I don't go starting off like, man, I can't wait to just make fun of this right. thing. Like I mean, when I do it, it's like. I'm making fun of it because it deserves it, but like I don't want it to. Right. I don't. I want all these things to succeed. And there's also like I'm making fun of it because I'm actually kind of frustrated. And yeah, we do it. I wanted this to be good. We do it because we love. Right. We love it. Uh, so let's discuss the the post credit scenes, which uh, are again. Un- you, can do, you can like tie this into like uh, and Easter cameos eggs. and Easter eggs, yeah. absolutely. Because and there's still tons yeah. to discuss here unprecedented five post credit scenes. Well, that's just James Gunn being like, I know you're going to stick around, yeah. so I'm going to throw as and much shit in man, here Man, believe possible. me, it felt like the movie was the entire credit scene. Like, nobody left. And and it, it was actually a pretty good way to get you to sit through the credits. Never mind that the design of the credits themselves, spectacular. Scrolling up like the back of a vinyl record and the little animations. And you saw the Grandmaster. You see Goldblum in there. You see all the characters dancing uh, and being someone that you don't see in the movie. Like, you see Nebula dancing at Gavar. Like, you never see that. Right. And it, it fucking worked. And even, did you notice that some of the credits said, I am Groot? And then they would flicker and turn into the actual credit. Oh, no, I didn't notice that. that. Yeah, that yeah. That was really fun. Uh, so the first one was almost like, I wasn't sure. I was like, is this a post-credit scene? Because it started immediately. It was almost like part of the movie, which is Craglin, Sean, Sean Gunn's character, practicing with the Andu's arrow. Trying to get it to fly around, and then it goes and hits Drax hilariously, and then he just kind of backs away slowly. Stabs him in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, do-do-do-do, right. walks away, back away slowly. Uh, I hope he... Uh, you uh, want Craglin to join I want Craglin to join the Guardians to pick up the mantle of the arrow. 
what I hope it will be is something like Kraglin doesn't show up in like the third Guardians movie or whatever yeah. it is, but winds up being the Deus Ex Machina that saves their asses near the end. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, he's not going to be like a father figure. Like, well, he's got the no. He's he's the another son to Yondu. Yeah, yeah. yeah he. So they're like brothers. Like, he and Pete. Yeah, he and Peter have like a brother relationship. Yep. That's fucking fantastic. Then we get the scene uh, with uh, Stallone. I'll say this about the Stallone scene yeah. before you get into it. Yeah. If you're a casual fan, yeah. you're probably like, why the fuck was Stallone even in this movie? And Ving Rhames. Like, I was like, wait, is that Ving Rhames? Oh, and, yeah. And not even a casual. You have to be like super hardcore. Oh, this one, you got to be a hardcore. So, listener, if yeah, this one's a deep this cut, one man. Almost, I was going to say, this one almost flew over my head until. Like legitimately the last second of the scene, I was like, "Oh shit, I get it." Okay, so this scene, Stockar Ogard tells his fellow Ravagers that Yandu's death taught him life is too short to hold on to grudges and baggage; that they should put differences aside, reunite for old times' sake. This is the nineteen 19- and steal shit and steal shit. He's like, "All right, let's go steal some shit." This is the nineteen seventy-five Guardians of the Galaxy team from the comics, which varies a little bit from the original nineteen sixty-nine team. And the guy, people he's talking to, they're all part of the 1975 roster or they're important to the Guardians universe. Yandu was also a member of that team initially. Uh, the 1975 characters first appear in Giant Size Defenders number five, written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Gene Colan. This group includes Yandu, Martin X, who is the, the Iceman looking guy, who's I think was played by Michael Rosenbaum, which you could not tell, of course. Um, yeah, of Charlie course. 27, that was Ving Rhames' character. Who I was like, I just laughed because I was like, Ving Rhames. I was like, the fuck is Ving Rhames doing in this movie? Stockar, uh, Stallone, and Alita Ogard, who's played by Michelle Yeoh. And they also have a little red creature named Krugar, which is actually a Easter egg. He relates to Doctor Strange. Mm. In the comics, future Doctor Strange trains Krugar to be a Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, and then Mainframe, which is the little robot head, which is voiced by Miley Cyrus, meaning Miley Cyrus is now officially a part of the MCU. Oh, shit. Uh, that was crazy. And I, I didn't know who that was. And I was like, I bet that's the original team. And uh, well, Stockar is Starhawk in the comics. Yes, he's also known as Starhawk. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, maybe they, they could spin I, I don't, off. I don't think we'll see those characters in uh, Infinity War. But part three? Part three. Yeah. yeah. You'll definitely see those. They'll, yeah, they'll they'll play some role in the next one. The next scene we get is I mean, the next one is the biggest one is, out of all. Okay, it's the and uh, uh, it's Aisha the, the Sovereign, the biggest post credit scene in after terms being of impact humiliated, the defeated. Uh, there, these people are supposed to be perfect, but they're just uh, judgmental douchebags. Like uh, Rocket said, she's working on something. She tells one of her handmaidens she's figured out a way to make a more perfect being than herself. She go, and they show a shot of a thing, and she goes, I call him Adam. And one guy in my theater, one guy in front goes, yes! Like, one guy, everyone else, the girl next to me, she's like, who's Adam? Oh, I literally, I had, <laughs> go ahead. I had people do the same thing, where, like, they, the moment she says, I call him Adam, my response was, oh, that's awesome. They're actually going to bring in Adam Warlock. And my buddy Nick goes, who's Adam Warlock? I was like, eh, too much for right yeah. now. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I literally was like, oh, fuck, Adam Warlock. And literally my, my friend next was like, what are you talking so about? So I don't know how much they can take this Adam. You know, he was rumored to be in this movie, but then Gunn is well, like. The, he's, the he's, Guardian, the first Guardians had the cocoon in um, in, in the collector. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. No, but that he, he that just, wasn't him. That wasn't him. Gunn was just like, I was just fucking with people. But he wants to. He clearly wants Adam Warlock in this. So in the he com- wanted Adam Warlock in this film. 
Yeah. Well, the best part was they wanted Adam Warlock in this film because they, A, wanted to explain how he was going to come about, but also because Adam Warlock is heavily connected to the Soul Gem. Right. Yes. He, in the, in the comic books, he is created by uh, people, and he is one of Thanos' adversaries. He's in Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Uh, and I'm wondering, wh- I don't know, I don't think he'll also show up in, in the first Infinity I don't, War. I don't think there's enough character work there to make Not him yet. in Infinity War. Possibly no. the second one, if, you know, that ends Thanos and changes things at the end. They'll have to establish a little bit more of him, possibly in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they would, but he would, they would most likely do the heavy lifting of explaining him in the first uh, Infinity War. Uh, and yeah. I have a feeling the fact that they say uh, the second Avengers movie title is apparently a spoiler in and of Possibly itself. Infinity Gauntlet, but is that really a spoiler? I'm wondering if it's tied to Warlock. So James Gunn has said that Warlock is not in Infinity War, but he's promised that Warlock will eventually be a major part of Marvel Cinematic Cosmic Universe, and I could see him taking a big role moving forward past Phase 4, tying a lot of these space movies and and, and giant threats together. It's very yeah. exciting. Uh, number the fourth post credit scene is uh, Groot's growing up, people. He's uh, I was like, are we going to see Baby Groot the whole time? And they gave us teenage Groot, which was fucking hilarious because he's great. sitting there on his bed playing video games and he calls Peter Quill boring. He goes, I'm not boring. You know, it's boring. These branches. Why don't you pick up these branches? Clean up your room. And then the best I am Groot where you clearly get the context that he's mocking what Peter Quill just said. Oh, yeah. He's just like, I'm, so I, well I, I'm Groot. Yeah. I'm Groot. Yeah, I'm not boring. <laughs> I am Groot. And you're like, I get that. It's so great because you know exactly what he said yeah. without having to say anything. It was fucking hilarious. Teenage Groot in uh, the, part three would be awesome. The question uh, that one of my friends asked afterwards was uh, there were leaves all over the bed. Are we to believe that he's been, he's been, uh, masturbating? He's been Groot <laughs> masturbating? Oh, oh my God. There's like stiff leaves and plants. Just like Peter Quill's like, why is this leaf thick? Oh, <laughs> so like what I want them to do is like we said in infinity war, it's going to be four I, years. I would later. like to have him also having like random, like branches growing out of his face to imply that he has a ton of acne. Yeah. I think it, yeah, just yeah. little, little, like little buds yeah. that just come out and he's yeah. like, just annoyed. Yeah. Be like, what is this? Yeah. And maybe his voice breaks. Like oh, he's like, yeah, I, am Groot. Yeah. Uh, I am Groot. I am Groot. He starts to change. That'd be hilarious. But in Infinity War, I want to see full grown Groot again. Okay, you in, probably will. And we are supposed. And to. in Guardians Three, yeah, go back and put, give me teenage Groot. Maybe. Or are they trying to bridge the fact that when we see these people next, time's already passing? They will probably go with full grown. Yeah, Groot. because it's supposed to be like five years later. Yeah. Uh, or four years later, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be full-grown Groot again. So, uh, and I have a feeling Guardians Three probably won't take place between two. Yeah, and probably not. Infinity so, because uh, so if you extrapolate the time from when he was a baby to when he was a sapling to baby to teenage, he clearly ages quicker than you know you normal right. normally would think. Right. So by that time, you'll he might be like old man Groot in fucking four years. Who knows? You know. And then the last post credit scene. I'll say this is another genius, though, of Marvel is playing with his age yeah. to make the character not stale. Yes. I am Groot in regular form. Yes. We'll get stale. You know, and that, like, you know, it was repetitive, but here's something new they gave us. They, they, aged they refreshed him. him. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking brilliant move. At first, when the first movie ended, I was like, oh my God, they fucking, they degrooted Groot. That's crazy. Where is this guy? And it's fucking beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. So all, all faith in James Gunn. What are you doing? Keep doing it. The last post credit scene ties into the Stan Lee cameo from the middle of the movie during the time of Rocket and Yandu are doing the 700 jumps. 
You, this is such a fucking great scene. You see Stan Lee in an astronaut costume sitting on a rock talking to none other than motherfucking watchers. Geek Mooner. I literally. We see Uatu. Well, I don't know if you. I don't That's know if it Uatu. Is. It might probably is. I literally in the theater when they when they zoomed past, I was like, the watcher. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, the fuck oh shit. Geekerific. So now the question yes. is, a lot of people are wondering, does this confirm the fan theory that Lee's character yes. is a watcher himself? No. Or is it just that the watchers are talking to he's him? There, I think he's their informant. He's talking about when he was a FedEx delivery person in Civil War. I think this does. And I think James Gunn has said that this confirms that Stanley is the same character in all the cameos. And, but he hasn't said whether he's a watcher or he said he's an informant. I would like it's. I think it's cool either way. Like I think the other question then is, if he's talking about the event of Civil War, does that mean when they're jumping, they're technically jumping through time too? Yeah, because this is supposed to be before. Oh it. shit! That's a good oh, point. that'll make your head hurt. Oh shit! That's a good point. No, that that's out of space. That's its own space time continuum. The way I kind of see it in the large picture is these stories that we are watching are being told by the watchers who have been informed by this cosmic Stanley character. Ultimately, that's the big picture, which means again, all of Marvel is being created by Stanley. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's actually, really <laughs> that's good. pretty clever. Look, the man is 90 fucking 200 years old. 94. So, that could be maybe his last cameo. I, what, if it was is, this, great. I, was this the last one? I, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed his I don't cameo. Know, they, as far as I heard, there were claims that they had filmed a whole bunch of them oh, for him okay. already oh. for fear that he may pass away. Okay, that's smart. So moving forward, we'll probably get more little cameos. So is, but and, this is a very clever way to just like, if, if this is it, this is to put the bow on Stanley. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be the this would be where to leave it off yeah. if they had to. So that I mean, they, do you think he's the watcher? Do you think he's a watcher, Delhar? I it's the thing is I don't know. I want him to be absolutely, yeah. but they didn't like build it in a way where if he's talking to the watchers, right. like don't don't the watchers like why would he be telling them the they story? Should, don't yeah. they all wouldn't they or know? Do it? they only know because he's telling them everything that's happened? I love it. He's like, you're my ride home. Where well, are you going? The thing about the watcher, the other like cool thing about it, or that that when this was happening, when I first saw the watcher, I was like. As a comic book fan, I'm like, the Watcher only shows up when important things are happening. Yeah. So I was like, this movie, like immediately, like as a, as a comic book nerd, it I gave was it like, a little more weight. It validated yeah. the film. I'm like, yeah. this is important. And I also, funny enough, thinking about that, I've, I've thought for a while, I would love to have an instance in Marvel comics where just before something happens, like maybe for something like Guardians of the Galaxy, like one of the Watchers shows up. And a character sees them and just immediately goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's never good when the Watcher shows no, up. That's, that's important. For sure. It means it's important. But it's clearly also, it's telling us, look, Stan Lee, he's got more stories to tell. Despite, like, 2016, he made his last New York Comic Con appearance. I don't think he's making appearances. Dude's 94. He's old. He's, he's old uh, He has earned every yes, right yes. to not do anything. Yes. yes. Uh, but, uh, the, dude, the, just... It made me so happy the amount of touches and nods to the comics that Gunn was able to put into this. Howard the Duck showed up a couple. Of I love what it was that line. He goes, "You never out of luck once you go duck." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "That's awesome!" And the fact that it's Seth Green again, yep. voicing Seth Green him. Uh, voicing Howard the Duck. You see Cosmo the dog in the credits mm. briefly. We mentioned you see Grandmaster in credits. We mentioned the Hasselhoff because he's on the fucking 
disco track where he raps. And he shows, he shows, up, he shows up in that, the movie. I was not expecting that. I was Ego like, transforms for in the like a split for a second, second yeah. and then he comes back. Yeah. He's like, Yandu was by Hasselhoff. Uh, uh, the question I have yeah, yeah. is I do remember uh, them saying that there was going to be a role Rob Zombie was going to voice because he's good friends with Gunn. Oh, shit. Do we, does anyone know what role that was? Was it? Or was it even was there? Was it anymore? even there? We can check the full cast here. Uh, but, I mean, I could see Zombie playing like one of those Ravagers. I you thought know? he was one of the yeah. Ravagers. That's a, oh shit! Rob Zombie credited as an unseen Ravager. Oh shit! Get the fuck out of here, huh? Oh, you know I what? You know what? I bet you he was going to be one of the captains during the funeral or they, something. Yeah, he might have got cut too. There's yeah, a couple I mean, a lot if, of things. If they he's cut. an unseen Ravager, that means he never made it on screen. That means he was left yeah. on the editing room floor. But uh, even to even have Rob Zombie, that's so great. Like all these worlds he's tying together. Uh, I loved another cam uh, Easter egg that we got to see the Eagle Face Planet Face. Yeah. For a second, and I was oh, yeah, wondering yeah, yeah. if they were going to do that, and they showed it as clouds, and it worked way better than Parallax ever did in fucking Green Lantern. That, I was like, yeah, we see the place of the planet, and it's him. Uh, and then the planet Contraxia that they're on, uh, Delhauer, this kind of relates to something you did that we're going to talk about later, is actually home of the Jack of Hearts. He's half Contraxian. That's the one that they crash land on, yeah, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. I think so, in the beginning. Or is it the... I love the uh, prostitute robot planet. That was a great planet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I completely, I completely forgot about that, that planet. That planet was great. <laughs> All the fucking robot hookers. Robot hookers and snow. And snow is awesome. Uh, check this out. Today, I was on, uh, I saw on James Gunn on his Twitter, he's answering spoiler-free questions from fans, like, right now about making of the movie. And there's some really interesting, cool uh, bits in here. Let's start with, it starts right here. Someone asked, are you already writing volume three? He says, yes. Uh, someone asked, is Groot and baby Groot the same person or is baby Groot kind of his son? His answer, baby Groot does not have Groot's memories. Oh, wow. So once destroyed and, and recreated, it's all fresh. It's a fresh again. Groot. That's interesting. I did not know that. Was Baby Groot's dance at the beginning of Volume 2 the same moves as Peter at the beginning of Volume 1? Check this out. James Gunn says, no, that was Chris Pratt dancing. Baby Groot is me dancing. Fucking James Gunn did the mocap for the opening sequence for Baby Groot. It's fucking great. And when you got the money, why not? Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'll be in the movie, sure. Uh, someone asked him, do you write the music into the script for scenes, or is the music chosen after the entire script is written? He says, I write the music into the treatment. I give the Marvel guys a CD, old school, along with the initial story, showing how important it is that he's thinking about he this. Should give, he should give them a mix. He should give them a cassette. Yeah. Like, find something to play. Find a way to find listen to it. Find a way to play this, you motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, the, the, somebody, like we said, the colors in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 are spectacularly used. Is that a scripted decision or something you chose to edit later? This is cool. He says, I make a color timeline with swatches after I write the script. Same time as storyboarding. So not only he's got the storyboards, he's got wow. this scene is this color palette. This oh, scene, like, just crazy. amazing attention to detail. That is nerdy. It's so nerdy and it's, it. it works so good. This tweet is unavailable, but his answer is, volume three will be the final part of the trilogy and conclude the story of this iteration of the Guardians. Is this team where they will wind up on a teddy bear planet and you will find out that Gamora is Peter's sister. <laughs> and Ted is really uh, Peter Quill's father. <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean that this team will be disbanded 
after that, or will that new team, you know, will they work that in? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I think that's enough for the James. I think that was it. I thought he's had a lot of cool, interesting bits. He was just giving out on the Twitter. That's cool though. Yeah. Good for James. Gunn. Uh, that's, uh, any final, final thoughts on this? Uh, a, a great, a great entry into the MCU. I've exhausted everything I could talk yeah. about in this film. Yeah. I, we, we hit, I think every great really space movie. Can't wait to see Spider-Man. It's and not even, Thor. I mean, it's a space movie. It's, it's not, not really it's, a, space. It's, it's about, just, it's about parenting and fatherhood. It's a movie in space. Yeah. Just happens to take place in space yeah. about a bunch of fun people. Yeah. I think, uh, Oh no. All right. I do remember the one last okay. thing. Let's go. Finish um, I did, I did make a reference to myself during Yondu's death of, uh, the funeral for Spock in Wrath. Oh, okay. That's pretty nerdy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, but that was, uh, that was uh, he's probably, you know, what's interesting. Okay. We'll wrap this up with this. There was another article on Collider kind of accusing the first movie of being overrated. The fact that it's pretty much the show Farscape. And, He's not wrong. The show Farscape is almost exactly the same thing. Out of place, Earth guy. There's a big muscly dude who's just uh, deadpan. There's a little alien creature who's snarky. He, the Earth guy falls in love with a uh, hard-nosed alien woman. But Gunn has said uh, he was influenced by Farscape and Star Trek. Were were to and so he had that in mind. And of course, it, it it's very it's influenced his anything first that gets. One made and and everyone likes eventually becomes called it's called overrated yeah it's stupid people are dumb <laughs> because apparently liking things is not cool right. now yeah i can't fucking pay homage to something with this okay uh so uh let's move on to i got a little segment called stuff to check out i want to promote a couple of things I have some fun audio to share this part's fun it's gonna be like a late night talk show with delhauer as our guest uh man delhauer uh, huh? you were recently, ca- thanks for coming on the show. You were recently cast as not other than Captain America in the Cape Swoosh production of the great Avengers disassembled storyline. Tell us, uh, he sent over a clip. <laughs> Why don't you set up this clip for us, Matt? And we'll, uh, take a dive into Avengers disassembled. Do we have a clip? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I, it's funny. I don't even know where to actually start because i didn't prepare for trying to sell this thing <laughs> but um uh, anyone that doesn't know uh every time i come on i try and uh help promote the cape swoosh productions group that i'm a part of which is me and several of my friends uh putting together audio dramas based on uh great comic book stories that we it's love. awesome and so far we have been lucky enough to not have marvel try and sue us yeah because we don't make money on it and because we're not nearly popular enough for anyone to have brought it to their attention i like what you guys are doing because it's like a a geeky comic book version of audible.com yeah it's so it's you know radio drama like they used to do on radios back in like the 1930s with the shadow and all that kind of stuff so it's uh the, the newest one that we had just come out back last Sunday is Avengers Disassembled, which is a amazing story that Brian Michael Bendis did a few years ago that is basically uh, one bad day in the uh, life of the Avengers that leads to the, the destruction of the team, essentially. This is Bendis' first crack at Avengers, I believe. Uh, this was Bendis saying that if he was going to do Avengers, he was going to fucking ruin their lives. And it's basically it's um, Doctor Doom fucking things up for everyone in this, isn't it? No. no. Wow. Well, no. way to be prepared, Imran. Yeah. Uh, so because Imran didn't listen to it, doesn't know what's going on, I will talk. No, I mean the story. Uh, <laughs> well, the story of this is no, the story. Itself. 
There is there is no Doctor Doom in it. In Disassembled? In Disassembled. Really? There is no Are you sure? Yes. I read up on this and it was all Doom. I was in it, it Imran. Look, it was Doom sending all these people and causing all this, I thought. No. Well, who was the bad guy? It, well, great. You want me to just give away the story so no one goes to actually listen to uh, it? What's wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> How dare you? Keep going, Delhar. <laughs> yeah, I, I love when Imran looks like an ass. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, no, so the story is is that it starts off with um, the death of Scott Lang, Ant-Man. Okay. Because of uh, Jack Hart, who we had st- talked about, the Jack of yep. Hearts, uh, returning from space when everyone thought he was dead and blowing up Avengers Mansion. Uh, it is then then the rest of the team trying to figure out what is going on and why this has happened. And it seems that there is somebody pulling the strings in the background. It is not Dr. Doom. But it may be somebody that they are uh, closer to. Ooh. Is all I'm going to say. Okay, so uh, look, I got a nice clip. Uh, we're gonna, and it's it's a uh, it's like a uh, two and a half minutes long, but it gives you a great sample of the production. So let's settle in and take a little trip to Avengers Disassembled here. There's a lot to do here. Just tell me where it hurts. You we talk can- to this man as if you're speaking to me. As far as I'm concerned, this man is an Avenger. Uh. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Captain America. Uh, Sir. Jarvis, what happened? It would appear, sir, that we have experienced a tragedy which words cannot properly describe. Master Scott Lang has died, sir. In a most terrible way. Someone... Someone must call his young daughter. Um, Cap, can I interrupt you for a second? What is it, Falcon? Who is that flying in right now? It's a Quinjet. It's one of ours. The whole team's been called in. It's coming in pretty fast. Yeah, wait. Isn't that... Vision? Guys, he's not slowing down. He's flying straight... Everyone down! Is everyone alright? Yeah, for now. Cap, what's Vision doing? Looks like he's about to tell us himself. Avengers... I bid you tidings in this, our darkest hour. I am sorry to inform you that I am no longer in control of the organisms that make up my body structure, and that you are no longer in control of anything that we, as a group, held dear, or what we, as individuals, held as important. Our time is over. I cannot explain to you in terms that any of you would understand why and how this has happened to us. For I am only now beginning to comprehend where it is that we, as a group, have failed. And why we are about to be punished. Vision, what happened? Just tell us what is happening. Do know that, though this will seem a betrayal for me, it is not I who brings this plague upon you. Do know that I feel an overwhelming shame for what now must... I am sorry. Tell Wanda. It will be okay. Does anyone have any ideas on what that orb he just threw up is going to do? I have one idea, but no one is going to like it. Avengers, fall back! They're morphing. I don't like that they're morphing. I think it gets worse. Ultron Systems. Ultron Systems. Ultron Systems. Active. Oh, Ultron bots. That's what I thought was going to happen. 
Wow. We've been talking to Captain America this whole time, Anthony. Well, that's really good. <laughs> I love I love the production. The, the production the, is off the chain. The, the sound effects and the the music in the background, uh, very well done. Uh, Delahower, how do you guys record this? Are you all in the same place, or do you just do your part? Uh, so it's depending on the, on the day and what we can do. Jeremy, who is one of the founders of the group, he, he was the one who directed and did this one. He put a year's worth of work wow. into wow. the the sound effects and and editing and everything like that. So he this is this is like his magnum opus. I, yeah. What we usually do is depending on on everyone's schedule, we try to get everyone together into a group to do recording together. Okay. I actually wound up doing all of my parts on my own because I was out in PA. Okay. Um. So I I came in for a day, recorded with them, and left. And you could kind of hear it in the fact that I don't sound like I'm actually reacting to anybody. I'm just talking. Mm. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's not. It works though. Yeah, it works. Yeah. So it's it's this is this is one that we're all really proud of. Um. And then next month, uh, Rob, who is the other founder uh of the group, put together uh Batman's Long Halloween. Oh, cool. So that's gonna be coming out. I'm excited for that one because I got to play the Joker. Oh, oh fun, was, fun. A shit. Ton oh shit! I so. can't wait to hear listen to that one, listener. Look, definitely go. I'll put a link in the show notes. Shockinger.com slash one sixty five. Play it, share it, get it out there, get this thing so the the views it deserves. Uh, it's great. It's like it's a comic book. Audible, so is dude. it just audio? It's just audio. And it's on. U- it's all audio. It on? It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yeah. We're trying to get to get it into more places. They want to put an RSS. Yeah. Why don't so you have, have a podcast? podcast yeah. And that's uh, very. Yeah, easy I think way. a podcast would be the best. Yeah. Next, next but, uh, evolution yeah. of this. I, I, I implore the listeners, get us sued. <laughs> because then at least it means we did something right. I, so, regarding <laughs> that... No, please, no, don't do that. Wh- why would Marvel... Look, you're not, you're not making money out of it. There's nothing visual. You're pretty much just reading shit and putting music on there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, they I don't have know. a leg it's, to stand on, probably. Copy, copyright law is weird. Nobody knows it, and they use that to that, their right, advantage. Right, right. Um, but I think if they wanted to, they could probably try and tell us to cease and desist. But at the same time, we're small time. Like you said, we're not we're not selling their images. We're not selling anything that really is just us claiming we are a character. Right. Um, so I think if anyone was going to have a problem with it, it would be the authors and comics creators are some of the coolest people in the yeah. world. It's usually yeah. just the actual corporate entity yes. that tends to be a dick about mm. stuff. Disney, don't be a dick. Let these people do it in the but uh look i think a podcast would be i would love to hear a podcast with all your content and then in between like the making of these things you know you guys going through behind the scenes in the podcast episodes talking about how you picked these things how you set it up i think it would be a very interesting show yeah i mean i know um we're trying to get uh the the geek chorus show that we used to do with how do i yeah. jump back up and yeah. going and I know one of the big things I want to try and do with that is looking more into Cape Swoosh and talking to them about a lot of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Right on. Check it out. Uh, I got another sample of a show I want to share to get you guys turned uh, on to the show. Another, what, five minutes? No, this one's a minute. Oh, good. It's not as long. And it's Trivia Geeks podcast. Uh, Adam Morris started listening because I was talking about it. He loves the show. Rugboy's been on the show. Dallahauer has been on the show. It hasn't come out yet, but it will. <laughs> but basically, listener, I'm a host of a Trivia Geeks podcast. Uh, every week it's live on Wednesdays and it's a hilariously geeky podcast where you don't really have to know the answers to anything. Uh, I certainly don't, but I'm going to play a clip from our most recently show uh, that came out with Scott Meridu was on. Oh, nice. And due to, so this is how unpredictable and just wacky that I never know what's going to happen when we start these shows. So they had an issue with the booking system. They booked too many people. 
we already had two guests and the two captains, and Scott was on. So what we did, Scott stayed up till like three in the morning. Oh my god! So uh, what I did was Scott was my wingman for hosting, and I just invented a segment called Ask a Brit. Where each round, each team, if they wanted to, they could ask a Brit what oh, he thinks Jesus about Christ. the question. It's hilarious. You have to listen. So I'm going to play a clip from a round. We were playing Google Family Feud. You ever played that on the yeah. on Google? Where you got to find the top answer. Oh, no, no. So you know how Family Feud is. Yeah. Give the top answer. So on Google, you can go on and play this game. They'll give you selections. Be like, what's the number one answer to this sentence? So here's one question, one round with Ask a Brit from the most recent Trivia Geeks episode, season three, episode 11. Here we go. Here's a very common phrase. Number one answer. I was bitten by a blank. Is it A, dog, B, human, C, turtle, D, spider? It's got to be dog or spider. Dog or spider, I'm thinking too. Um, I don't know. I want to ask the Brit on this one. Yeah, sure. Let's Ooh. ask the Brit. I love asking the Brit Meridu. What do you think? I was bitten by a blank. Is a dog, a human, turtle, or a spider? Well, the question we first have to ask ourselves is, are we dealing with, like, an actual turtle or what Americans think a turtle is? What? Which is a tortoise. <laughs> oh, it's just like the football thing with you Brits, with the turtle and the tortoise. You know Turtles what a... are in the sea, tortoises are on the land. Listen, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, you know what a turtle is. Wait, you don't know because we won the war. Sorry. Oh, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want my actual answer, I think... Well, you know, if you get bitten by a dog, you know, that's a traumatic incident, but you're not really going to go on the internet and talk about it. Spider bite, similar. However, you get bitten by a human, you are going to want to research that. Am I going to be a zombie now? What's happening to me? Someone please help. They drew blood. They have a taste for human flesh. Oh, God, is this the end times? Quick, we must go to the bunker. Yeah, Walking Dead is the highest rated show on the television right now. I see your reasoning. It's very interesting. Well, there's your Brit, guys. What do you What do you think? All right, Jeff, I'm thinking I like his reasoning, but I like the answer spider better because people get bit by spiders all the time when they're sleeping. They have a little yes. bite, a little bump on their arm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I, I would agree with Spider. All right. We'll go as they say on Ninja Warrior. A spider wookie. <laughs> Show me Spider. Uh, I'm a sorry. To find out what the answer is, listener, you're going to have to go listen to the show. That's actually really good. Isn't that fun? It's a, it's, That's there great. Too, it's yeah. hilarious. I wish, I wish that was a common thing. <laughs> On that well, show. It, he, he might need to be on that uh, show. Well, that's what we said initially. Carrie even said that. She's like, oh, crap. We might have to get him. But that means he would have to stay up till 3 a.m. every Wednesday night. Yeah, who cares about what oh, he yeah, thinks? Okay. You, you, you just need his voice. Isn't he? I love fucking Maradu. We got to get them back on the show. Yeah. He's like a geeky John Oliver. I love it. So check out Trivia Geeks. Link in the show notes. All the shows that I host there uh, are just fun just like that. It's so wacky. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, finally, got One an of email. these days, maybe I'll get on this. Show. You can get on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kate and Patrick from See Here's the Thing, they're coming back on next week. They were already on. They had so much fun. They want to come back on. Anthony, you should get on. I think we should do a version here. We should get the whole Jock and Nerd no, crew. We, we don't need to ape their thing. But we, no, no, I we'll get them to there. come over here and do it, or we go there. We'll I do go, a whole I'll, Jock I'll and Nerd version. On. I'll go on there. I'll try out. I know Malofsky. I know, I know a lot of things about random shit. So. Yeah, yeah. I know Malofsky and uh, Delhauer still want to go at it, or Malofsky wants to call us out. And, but Scott was a fucking great, great addition. Go check that out. Last thing, I got an email from a listener. And it's a hilarious email, and he brings up a good point. No, not that also. email, dude. Not the RedTube email. Oh, no, not that one. Sorry. I'm deleting RedTube. Yeah, I don't cool. know what that site is. I've never been womp, there. Womp. <laughs> it's not bookmarked on my phone in an incognito browser. Oh, shit. Uh, here's the email he got. 
for really enjoying the show. Just listen to a third podcast and already feel the need to send you support money to keep you in comic books and pharmaceutical cocaine. Which is quite the feat since Iroglass has been pleading with me to send NPR money for two decades. And I'm always like, hey, get a job, you piece of shit. However, I didn't immediately find a support button or how to donate on your site. Though, in truth, maybe I didn't look as hard as I should have, since I'm aware these moments of generosity are usually fleeting with me whenever I get the urge to give away my hard-earned money. Like when the commercial with Sarah McLaughlin singing in the background comes on at 2.13 a.m., and there's a fucking three-legged dog staring at me, begging me to either hand-feed it a cheeseburger or stick a needle in its ass, and I impulsively send $100. Ten minutes later, I feel like I got owned. But unlike supporting a dog who probably never did much of anything to apply himself and turn his life around, you guys make me laugh and have already earned a place in my heart. You, I want to stick around for a while. So please tell me how to do this through your site. Sincerely, John Seifert, Niagara Falls, New York. P.S. May I suggest that when you next ask for support on your podcast, have Sarah McLaughlin singing behind your pitch, as this obviously seems to work on people with low aptitude, such as myself. <laughs> I may cut in a little Sarah McLaughlin underneath this in post. You may have to now. And uh, thank you. It's got to be Arms of the Angels. Uh, that song. That's the that fucking the song that gets you. That's the, that's the one that they do for like the, the ASPCA yes. Who's the commercials. one that gets it's you like, every time? I will that may be the Sally Struthers. Yeah. Uh, like, Relief for... I, I remember uh, you. But the kids? Roughly. I don't know which one. Anyways, that they, those songs work. In those the songs do make <laughs> you real fucking sad. Real also, quick. thanks, John, for sending the pronunciation of his last name. Clearly, he is a listener and already knows that I can't pronounce shit until you tell me how you to say it. You can't pronounce shit. It's I can't. Pronounce. I didn't even pronounce shit right. You didn't just pronounce, then. pronounce right. I didn't pronounce pronounce right. Oh, shit. Yeah, but, John, look, to his question, so... On the website, I put, I made it a little more obvious. It's been, it's in every show notes. The link, maybe you gotta make it uh, like a button on the website. I, there is a main button now, and so maybe we got a little bit too cute with join the fan club and and not be. So now it says, "Do we make you laugh? Want to send us money? Click here. Yeah. It's real big on the front that's, page. That works. That's what. Whatever we say, fan club, Patreon. That's what we that's, mean. That's why Delhauer never uh, donated. It may have been confusing. It was confusing. I was I lazy and confused. I was trying to help white. you. God damn it. That's how that's like that's how I wake up every morning. Lazy, confused and white. Oh shit. Even though I'm brown on the inside. You are brown as fuck. I'm brown on the inside. So, uh John, thanks for listening. Thanks for finding us. Just visit com slash Patreon. Uh and it's bigger on the site. It's in the show notes. Give us whatever money you want. You can give us all your money. I don't care. If you want to send us all your money, send give us all your money. Give us all your money. Give it to me, dude. Five bucks for every laugh? Uh, it seems like a fair. Yeah, it seems fair. <laughs> fair trade. Yeah. Delahauer, man, thanks for joining us on this episode. We had a great time geeking out over. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, tell the listener where they can find you, what you're up to. Oh, the listener can find me on Twitter. I'm not yelling at Dan Slot as much as uh, Rugboy yeah, would be. okay. But I'm, okay. I'm at Matt Delhauer. Uh, they can find me at Cape Swish Productions. We have several different uh, videos available on their YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com. I think it's just slash Cape Swish, or you can search for it in there. We should be the first thing that comes up. If we're not, then what the hell? Uh, we we have a, a Guardians of the Galaxy one that we did. I voiced Drax for it. Nice. Um, a few others, uh, Giant Size X-Men. Oh, can we hear your Drax voice real quick? Uh... I don't know if I had any lines, but it was legitimately just me being like, uh, you know, this ship dies wonderfully. <laughs> Stuff like <laughs> That's that. Pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I think I did actually do the laugh. I didn't do do uh, Batista's laugh. Oh, okay. Uh, mine was more of like a ha ha instead of like, uh, 
He, he my my version of Drax really is just tickled pink by murder. Yeah. Okay. He's, um, he's joyous in his killing. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We did a uh, giant size X Men. We did uh They there was something that they did before I was working with them. They did a version of the Killing Joke. Uh. They did yeah, Kingdom Come. Good. Yeah. Which Ooh. is also very well done. Um. That's another one where it's 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 long, but they put a lot of work in. That's into. a deep one. That's a deep book to even read, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, so they can find me there. Uh, and then as time goes on within the next few months, as summer goes on, uh, I can officially say, as I've already mentioned before, that Geek Chorus will be coming back cool. in its third uh, rendition, <laughs> and it will be hosted by myself. Awesome. Um, I will be trying to find uh, people to have on to have discussions about comic books. I'm doing everything in my power to see if I can get actual creators to come on and talk to us oh, as well. Nice. And just kind of build something that's uh, accessible, fun, but also does some of the deep cuts into comics lore and uh, creation and everything like that. So basically what you're going to do is you're just using our show to ape our fucking audience and then <laughs> I will with us. I will compete with you every week. Podcasts don't compete. No, he no I'm going to leave. I was going to say what the fuck happens is still strictly going to be with you guys. Oh, I'm not going to go taking that with me. You, what you should do is release it the same day we do and just make it like the old like WWE. <laughs> yeah, make, it a Monday, make it the Monday, Monday Night, Night Wars, Wars all yeah. over again. Yeah, and then we just steal talent from one another. There's <laughs> Listen, that's what I was going to say. You know where to find us if you ever need some guests. There's plenty of podcasting space for all geek shows. Delhauer like takes the job and nerd belt and then like goes on his show and just throws it in the garden. <laughs> I was going to say uh, I was going to say uh, steal steal rug boy from you guys offer to, <laughs> I to actually pay him. I can't do any uh wrestling uh you're, and Ron, you're going to have to shave your head, put on some oh, black no. trunks and we're going to make you stone cold Steve Austin. Oh, you're going to no. turn this shit around. Oh no! You're gonna have to gonna, can I beer. be the Iron Sheik instead? That's more my like Middle Eastern. Spirit. Yeah, but you're say, then we'll have to, we'll have to hit the attitude era where everything is like you know. Oh, this guy's sleeping with this guy's wife now. Yeah. I yeah. put him in the camel clutch. We're going to have to have women on the show like <laughs> threaten to expose their boobs on an audio podcast. <laughs> what is this show turned into? Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to all that. Your voice acting talents gonna, are, yeah, are awesome. All, you dude. need your own stuff, man. You need to Definitely. Eat. I'm so glad you're, get, you're getting your own show. Uh, that's very exciting. It would just everyone as friends would grow. Our, it's kind of like we network with each other. Yeah. Uh, listener, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Leave us a rating and reviewing. You know, but the most important thing. Tell a friend, spread the show. Did you know in the new iOS uh, app, if you have uh, updated your phone, you can actually text episodes of podcasts from the Apple Podcast app to people. That doesn't surprise me. That's awesome. So listener. Uh, you, can, you can cast bomb them? You can cast bomb. I want every listener to just send one person our show this week. Text them our show. Be like, hey, listen to this. I mean, we were on the Huffington Post. We deserve. We were on the Huff we Post. Your attention. It's called the Huff Post now. That's true. It's legit liberal fake news media. We are part of the machine. Yeah. So do us a favor. Share the show via text messages, and they won't have any chance but to press play because they'll be like, "What the fuck is this?" Play. Oh, this is fun. Press play. Tell a friend. Thanks for listening. We appreciate every second you spend with us. Make sure you sign up to the fan club on Patreon because we are gonna get some awesome Las Vegas stories from Anthony. Right now, the minute the show ends, thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We'll hear you next time. Since I'm filling in for Rugboy, I guess I should talk over the ending credit, huh? <laughs> Who cares? A jock said that. <laughs> Later.